Blog Talk Radio. This is Jay Lethal, the undisputed champion of the wrestling world. John Sullivan. His Babs, I Boosie. Michael Thompson talking. It's the phenomenal AJ Styles. And Jerry Rose. Charles Johnson. Psycho Killer, Tomasa Champa. This is Matt Blair. Thank you for listening to Sportscast Radio. Sportscast Radio. Welcome to Sportscast Radio. free agency trade deadline draft and we got to bring that special to you you know that's what we do and as always nick hagberg coming in with me because i mean it's the nba this is what we do right nick yeah it's good to, like it's good to be back i am on these shows like like what like not frequently i used to it's always always nice to be back and and i will say too that the other great thing about this this might be the first time we're actually doing this show at a reasonable time. Like I remember a couple of years ago, we were doing this at like 2 a.m. and we had, you know, people calling in from Europe and, and all these other, all these other countries because it was in the middle of the night here. So um, I'm, I'm happy we're doing it at, yeah, I'm happy we're doing this at, at 5 p.m. Central time for us. Now. That was back uh, back when we used to have to do the free agency show at midnight because the uh, free agency we we had that one year though like um I want to see maybe it was twenty twenty um because it wasn't last year because last year's free agency was just kind of eh, so no one cared but it was right. twenty twenty I think and they they did like a five p.m. one if I remember right and that was when we had like kind of like a rapid fire round of guests like we're gonna have tonight on. Um, and we're like, all right, free agent talk. What's going on? Anthony Davis, the bubble, yada yada, you know. And, and uh, that was that was like the only exception to the rule, because yeah, otherwise, like you said, uh, any fan interaction was people in like Italy and England. <laughs> nobody was awake. We, you know, we got some nice, we get some nice responses the next day from, oh, you know, I woke up and and saw the show click on my Spotify, so I listened to it. Great episode. Obviously, you weren't listening live, and I don't blame you. <laughs> had to come and bring it. Um, we have a round table of guests tonight. Ben Deacon from the Tim Wolves um, is hoping to join us in about 10 minutes. Uh, Lucas Johnson coming in and talking from the Sixers at 530. Uh, Dan Galinsky from the Cavs at 545. Ron Eggers at uh, 6 o'clock coming in talking about the Lakers and a lot of other hot topics. He wants to talk some Sacramento Kings, too, as well with that Pacific Division. Uh, and then finally, uh, to close us out, New York Knicks chat with Bradley Dresser at about 6.30, Uh Ben Beacon, if he can't reach us at 5.15, may jump, uh, try to jump in later in the show. We'll see how that goes. So we'll have some banter, obviously, for you guys for a while, uh, some interviews. We'll have some fun with it all. But uh, as of just getting into it, Nick, this trade deadline, you know, there's a lot of big things that they're talking you know, the, the rumors, if you will, that could happen. But one shakeup happened the other day that I think was the, the first main block to fall, uh, and that was C.J. McCollum going to the Pelicans. What kind of impact do you think that does uh, with those teams? Um, I think, I mean, obviously for the Pelicans, it, you know, it gives them another scoring threat on offense because really, if you, I mean, if you look at, I, I kind of focus 
focus actually more on, um, I mean, this is my own interest on the Portland side of things because now the Trailblazers seem, at least in theory in their plan, is to keep Lillard and then have all this cap space in the offseason um, to potentially sign more players down the road. Um, and I don't, I mean, I mean, I don't know about you, but I just, I don't, did you see Portland as a free agent destination in like the no. off season? Like, and, and that's what I mean. I, and that's kind of, and that's was kind of my biggest takeaway. Like, obviously look, the, the Pelicans bring in CJ McCollum, extremely capable scorer. Um, th- th- it's a good trade for them in this, of what they need. But I, I just I think the the debate for me um, I think in, I think when we look back on this trade years down or a couple of years down the road the question is going to be um, was I mean what was the smart for Portland to do this because we're looking at Portland right now um, they are right on the outside of the the playing tournament um, mm-hmm. they're currently the 11th seed. And obviously, in, in New Orleans is right there as well, um, because I think both teams respectively they're tenth and eleventh in the Western Conference standings. So I kind of look at it like that. This is obviously benefit the uh, Pelicans in the sense that I think that it will, you know, probably solidify themselves as. Um, you know, be, being at least in the play-in tournament, but then I look at Portland, and they're free. Yes, they're freeing up all this cap space, but for them, the narrative is, what are they going to do in the summer of 2022, and then looking forward to 2023? Yeah, I just it it to me wasn't uh, wasn't I don't know it it didn't make a lot of sense to me if you really if you really think it because you, you know you look at okay who's your top free agents in 2022. Um, you know, James Harden's got a player option. Does he, does he stay? He probably keeps that because it's, you know, almost $50 million <laughs> for that money. Bradley Beal's going to opt in, I'm sure, to his, his deal. Um, you know, especially if he wants that five-year Supermax from them. So, I mean, your best free agent is probably, probably Zach Levine, which nothing wrong with Zach Levine, but no. if I'm Levine, I'm not leaving the Bulls. You know, you gave me... You gave me DeMar DeRozan and Lonzo Ball and Alex Caruso, and they're showing that they're you know they're they're a force in the East, they're the top team I think right now, you know. So so you'd say, okay, did you use that cap for, you know, Miles Bridges as a free agent, um, <laughs> you know, it's Jonas Valenciunas, um, I don't know T.J. Warren. Like, there's not any sort of world beaters. Marvin Bagley's a, a free agent. I think Kemba comes up. Right. You know, you got, you know, it's, you're, you're probably going to try to keep Nurkic. So that doesn't do anything. You know, Rocco is not going to change your team. And they didn't really get shit back, to be honest with you. I mean, they gave up Larry Nance and Tony Snell. Well, I think Tony Snell is a nice perimeter defender. I think Larry Nance is a nice bench piece. They got that Josh Hart, who's, you know, he's not, not bad, but he's not starting. He's not just starting two. They got back Thomas Sadoransky, Nikhil Alexander Walker, Didi Luzada. You know, the future first and two seconds are nice, but I mean, <laughs> am I crazy to think that they kind of got fleeced? Well, I, I mean, I, I guess 
I mean, if you, but I, I guess, sure, they got fleeced if you're looking at the, the short term, but it kind of goes back to, really, if you look at the, the Blazers for the longest time, they're always just good enough. You know, like they always yeah. get in there. They always get in there as a, you know, five, six, seven, eight seed type of team. But really, realistically, it's a thing where, okay, they, you know, they might win a playoff series at the best and they might scare into the top three teams in the conference. But outside of that, I mean, they're not really a title contender. So, and that's kind of, you know, playing devil's advocate to your point. That's, I, I, in some ways, I don't blame them for bringing it up. I mean, yeah, of course, it could backfire on them with the, the free agent, you know, the lack of free agent talent that might be available this summer. But it, it, to me, it just kind of became clear over time that this backcourt of Lillard and McCollum, you're not going to win championships with, yeah. with the roster that they had. So you either, I mean, you, you either blow it all up or you continue going on this path of being just good enough and, you know, patchworking a team together that can compete for the seven or eight seed. Or I guess, well, now there's a play-in tournament, but but that's essentially what they would have been. They would have been a play-in tournament team for the foreseeable future. So in some ways, if I'm trying to win championships in charge of the front office, I probably would have done the exact same thing as them um, with the only, I guess, I mean, obviously if it backfires, the whole front office will probably, you know, probably get fired in the next few years if things really go bad, but it, it, it has the potential to go very bad or very good. So I think that they're probably one of the most intriguing teams. I think that'll to, just to follow the next few years, because it's, it's kind of a experimental thing they're doing that could, you know, could, could really set their franchise back far or could propel them to be one of the top teams in the conference. And, and Damian Lillard apparently is really endorsing Joe Cronin, the guy who stepped in for Neil O'Shea uh, when O'Shea got fired in December as somebody who he thinks, you know, and a team too can really, you know, turn this team around and rebuild. It's just, it's so hard because like when I look at, I look at Portland and I'm going, okay, you moved CJ McCollum for pieces that you could have kept McCollum and still just signed if they were free agents. Cause they're just kind of role players. So I, that that part is still the one that kind of kind of blows my mind a little bit. And you know, to me, if I'm trading CJ McCollum, I'm getting a piece back. And I understand, you know, like you've been saying, it's you know, it's, it's about the rebuild and the free agency. But you know, there's no way Phoenix is gonna is is not gonna let um, DeAndre Ayton walk. He's restricted. Anybody goes there, he'll match. They'll match, no problem. I mean. You look to the draft, and it's like, do you, you know, if you're if you're Cronin, do you try to, you know, do you try to? Because obviously they're going to fall. They're they're the they're predicted to be the eighth pick right now. They're going to drop because this right. thing isn't getting better. So you know, now do you try to draft like a Jaden Ivy from Purdue to replace McCollum, or do you try to grab one of those one of the big freshmen, uh, you know, Paulo Bancaro from Duke, Chet Holmgren from Gonzaga, or even like a Jabari Smith from Auburn? Like, so now now you're going into into the draft hoping you're pulling a piece. 
you know, do you try to make another play and get a mid-round pick? And then you grab your, your guard, like a, like a Jaden Hardy who's playing in the G League for the Ignite. You know, it, it's just, it's, 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 man, I don't know. Like, I, I feel like I'm stuck on stupid because I just can't process the point of, of doing this. Because like you said, they're not a destination. No one's going to Portland. It's <laughs> never been a, you know, it's never been. Can you yeah. think of any free agent that they've ever, you know, really pulled in like that? I mean, they drafted no. Drexler when you go back into those days when they made the, when they made the finals. You know, I, yeah. and I'm, I'm pretty sure they drafted Terry Porter and Kevin Duckworth and, you know, the guys that they had playing on that team. Cliff Robinson was a guy, Rasheed Wallace. They're all guys that they drafted. And then they lost because of just mediocrity every time that, that Portland would – would make a conference finals run when they were battling with the Lakers. They never could just get over the hump. And now it's that same team where you got the star in Dame Lillard, but this is, it's a league now where you have to have, you know, two, three, two, three people to carry a team. If, if it was that easy, you know, to just build around players, we'd be seeing Dallas a lot farther than they're going because of Luca. I would think, you know, Luca's showing you can't one man carry a team. You know, Trey Young tried it last year and it didn't really work too well. You know, Julius Randle tried it with, with the Knicks, who we'll talk about later. That didn't work. So it's just one of those situations where Dame has already shown us what he can do. And I'm by no means am I discrediting Damian Lillard. I think he is arguably a top 10 player in the NBA, hands down, especially with how clutch he is. But yeah, exactly. You, you just you, – you, I feel like you just handicap this team because you're not, it's not like you're going to be able to spend that money on anything. Like, I'm not looking at, at – at, Miles Bridges as an upgrade. Oh, and I think, well, this is kind of, I don't know how many, I, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't check this before I came out. How many years does Lillard have left on his contract? Um, That's a good question. I'll, I'll pull it up right now. Damian because. Contract. Because I was going to. He signed a four-year deal with um, So he's a free agent in 2025. So your next saw, year's free agent class is nothing. He's got one year after that, and then he's got a player option. Yeah, so I mean, what I what I want to look at this again. I'm not in the front office, and I have no idea what their long term plan is. But looking at this team right now, just what's left on their roster, they only have three guys on their team that even average ten points a game, and Lill and and Lillard is one of them. So it's Lillard, Simons, and Nurkic, the three that average. The game or so, yeah, so what I kind of look at is look if you're building around Lillard, and again you said like many people he's objectively a top ten player in the league. I think it's a situation where they're gonna ha- they're gonna have all this cap room in the offseason. They're gonna see what they can do, and I wouldn't be surprised if we're sitting here a year or two from now discussing Lillard being traded to trade deadline and just see them absolutely blow everything up. Because because you're right. Regardless of what anyone wants to say or how much cap space they have, players are. I don't think a top end free agent is going to sign in Portland. No, and it's and it's, it's, it's nothing about them. Portland. It might might be a like I know who who lives in or who lived in Portland. Great city, great people, great everything. But it's not. It's. I mean, it's not like Minnesota. For us. It's not somewhere where. Have a superstar free going here. It's just, it's just not the market. And yeah. I think that you're gonna 
do, if they're not successful in free agency and building a team around Lillard, I think they're just blow it up and then reach and start over the draft poll in the next few years. It's it's that thing too, like you said, if, if you know, nice nice place and everything, but if you can't attract people to play with with Lillard, you're not going to attract them anyway. So what's the point? Like, and and not to discredit the, the Blazers or anything. But Portland's a soccer city. Like it's all about the, the totally Portland Timbers, uh, MLS. Like yeah, that's it, the culture it's, there. It's all about that Portland Seattle Vancouver rivalry over on that that Pacific Northwest. Like that's what that town is. They don't have a baseball team. They don't have a they don't have a hockey team. They don't have you know. There's no football. It's Oregon Ducks and the Portland Timbers and the Blazers are third. You know, it, it just, it is what it is. And it's, it's not, not by any means, like, like you've been saying, we're not trying to downplay them. Um, yeah. You know, four hours ago, they, they already dealt Nikhil Alexander Walker, Walker to Utah. Um, uh, and then they got back uh, Joe Ingles and Elijah Hughes. Spurs got Sadaransky. Uh, Jazz also got Juancho Hernan Gomez from the Spurs. Um, I mean, Joe Ingles is a nice piece, I guess. Does that make the trade any better? If you think about it, you you essentially got McCollum for Josh Hart, Joe Ingles, Elijah Hughes, three seconds up first, and you know I can't remember that other that other piece that they got in the original port. Didi Didi Luzada. So they got Josh Hart. You, you look at it, Josh Hart, uh, Didi Luzada, Elijah Hughes, Josh Ingles, or Joe Ingles, a first and three seconds for McCollum. Does that feel any better? Still losing Larry oh, Nance and Tony well, Snell, too. Right. Well, it's complimentary pieces to hopefully they can attract a guy like, you know, like like a Zach Levine in the offseason. I mean, I, I, I don't there, – there's no, like, legs to that at all. But I, I'm just saying, hypothetically, you're getting complimentary pieces in return, and you're trying to sign, you know – Obviously, they're not trying to win this year. That's really the bottom line here. Mm-hmm. I, I see it as they're they're trying to play for you know 2023 or 2024, and if and if they're not able to execute and build a team around Lillard, then they trade them. That's the, that's yeah. just, and 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 the thing and what's true about Lillard is you said his contract ends in 2025. I think I mean you could see a team wanting to trade for a guy on a, you know, on a two-year basis. You know, it's not like you're trading him and he has an expired contract next year, and then you got to worry about potentially re-signing him or he, him leaving. So, yeah. that, so, 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 that, so that's the attractive part, I think, for Portland. Is he does have a few years left on the contract, which gives them, you know, more leverage and flexibility in trying to sell him to another team. And and actually getting pieces back because that's a, like if if he had an expiring contract at the end of next year, they're likely not going to get much for him unless he committed to that team to re-signing with them. So I mean I could I could a thing where they could get a you know a couple you know a couple first round picks next year, and then but again I kind of I think if you're looking just at like the likelihood and probability of things happening. I think Willard will not finish his deal in Portland, but that's that. That's just my opinion. 
he goes to 42-4 next year, 45-6 in 2023-2024. Player option for 48-7 in 2024-2025, and then obviously he is up after that. You know, and that's the thing too is they had the the ninth highest, tenth highest payroll in the league going into it. What you know, look look at over some of these numbers. You know, you look at um. The Clippers in 2024-2025 will still have $128 million on the books. Atlanta has $101 million on the books. The, the Minnesota Timberwolves uh, come 2024-2025 have zero players under contract. We're <laughs> the only yeah. team in the league that have no, no – the only player under contract in that year <laughs> is Leandro Bulmaro, who has a $6.3 million <laughs> player option. That yeah. that cracks me up. That we're the uh, go figure that we're the only, and then Detroit has two point eight million on the books, um, and then obviously it depends on you know Kate Cunningham's player option for eighteen million. But I just I laugh. Go figure. The freaking Timberwolves are the only team that don't have any players under contract after the next two seasons after this one. Yeah, but go figure. Though, you, but the thing is though that that scares me a lot less now than it would have three or four years ago because now I actually can sense a culture change within that that organization now because now you have yeah. you, you have mark laurie and rod coming in you, and, and and look i mean i mean not to not to you know talk you know you know throw glenn taylor under the bus but i think a lot of the dysfunction of the organization you know the you know the buck stops with him <laughs> you know yeah. and, and, and that's how i look at it when you look at organizations that it really is starts from the top and goes down and I think that I mean sure obviously that's considering on, a, on just a contract level that you don't have anybody signed through through whatever you mentioned <laughs> there but um but 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 I do think that the, the culture is changing I think Minnesota now is actually becoming a, a an organization that the players want to play for opposed to, you know, opposed to 10 years ago where we would have been sitting here hoping to, to, to win 15 games. So it's a completely, <laughs> is, so it's a really different 500. thing. Well, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Well, that's what I'm saying. There's legitimate chance that we might not even have to play in the play-in tournament. So. It's wild to think, like, you know, and, and I'll say this too, as, as, you know, people know we're based in Minnesota here. You know, Timberwolves are a game behind Denver um, for that spot. We're playing a, a you know, a, a 20 and 36 Sacramento Kings team tonight, which I think we have a very good chance of beating them, which definitely will help our cause. But, you know, we're, we as Minnesota fans are always so quick to crap on the team just because we're used to it, you know. We're used to the, you know – Hey, look, the Vikings, we, we just signed a, uh, a quarterback, and then we're not going to actually let him throw the ball because our coach is an idiot. You know, he's going to just – certain 16, he's going to call a job play, you know. The, the Minnesota Wild is the state of hockey, and, you know, I, I, and I'll say up until this year because, you know, we got Dalla Bill Carrillo now, who's a, who's a machine. And but, a former get to know him, if you recall <laughs> that. He was. Yeah, hell yeah, I, he, he was. He, and I – that, that that was probably the that was probably the best poll that I had out of all the scrubs that I talked about back then. But oh man, he was. But but, but yeah, just, but 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 it's yeah. I think what you know what the wild are now compared to 
what, what they were like the, I mean, it, it, and, and that goes back to what I was saying about Portland. It's kind of it's a, it's the whole mentality of are you gonna, are are you trying to be just good enough or are you mm-hmm. trying to win championships? And I think and and I think there's so many examples in sports now, and 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 I kind of look at now. I mean, just about the the time we are in sports right now. We have the Cincinnati Bengals in the Super Bowl. We have no, and then just look at the look at the top of the you know the Western. Con- right now there's um or just or the nba in general you you have you have cleveland as the fourth seed you have um the bulls you have the bulls as a third seed you have the the grizzlies one of the best teams in the nba again they were great they sucked and then they rebuilt again and then you have the um you know and then you have the the big market teams like the clippers and the lakers treading water barely are not even at 500. They're a couple games below 500. So there's so many examples now of of these small market or I mean I, I don't even consider like the Bulls small. I, mean, I don't consider them small market, but teams that had struggled for a, a long period of time and then now with the right people in place are building something. So I I think I think kind of going back to what kind of going back to Portland. If I'm a Portland fan, yeah, it's. You might think that you got fleece with the McCollum trade, but the, 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 but looking but looking around, you know, sports in general right now, I'm going to lot that things can turn around if they have the right people in office. Shout out to uh, shout out to uh, re- uh, respected whiteout on Twitter who said uh, uh, Matthew Stafford and Eminem are the closest Detroit will ever be to the Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but you know what though? I like that. I like that head coach though. That that Dan Campbell. Well, I I don't know if Dan Campbell will win a Super Bowl, but I I respect the fact that the players play hard for him. But <laughs> but yeah, but 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 it, but it is a great. But but yeah, I mean, not to go off track talking about the NFL, but it is. Um, it, Bradley it's a great dude uh, for the Knicks is going to come out at six thirty-two instead of six forty-five, so he'll be jumping in quicker. That's perfect. Um, I I did want to say this too, and, and not to cut you off. Um, as we we uh, oh no worries. First first guest looks like we'll be approaching shortly. Um, you know Bill Guerin, not to talk about the wild, but Bill Guerin came in and said, "I'm changing the culture. I don't, I'm sorry, people aren't going to like it." And traded Parisi and Suter. Everyone freaked the hell out. Like, oh my god, this dude is up and just do whatever he wants. And yeah, the cult the culture changed for the better. And we've always said that. The reason the Minnesota Wild are stuck in mediocrity is in the in the, the Central Division you had um, Colorado has Nathan McKinnon and Nico Rantanen, St. Louis has Tarasenko, uh, Nashville has Philippe Forsberg, Chicago has Kane and Taves, Winnipeg had at the time Patrick Liney, like all Dallas had Jamie Benn and Tyler Sagan, and then there was the Wild. We didn't have that guy. Now yeah. we got that guy, and look at what this team's doing. And you look at the Timberwolves, kind of to flip it to the Timberwolves' fake, you know, Towns is is nice to have Towns. I'm not – I've always liked Towns. I've always uh, – um, I've always appreciated them. Um, I'm just sending this link over. Strong. Uh, I got asked um, about live links right now. Um, otherwise – 
Otherwise, click the link in the tweet. Okay. Okay. Sorry. Um. And and but but the thing about Collins is it's always been like, you know, it just as great as he is and, and as good of a player as, as I always will, will 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 say about him, he's just he's never to me going to be that guy that's going to lead this team. He's just, he just isn't, he's soft. He's just in, in, yeah. the, in the worst way possible. Anthony Edwards, man, Ant came in here and said, get out of my way. And look at exactly. what this dude is doing. This dude is tearing it up. And now if he's going to continue to be this piece, that means that we can have Towns be the number two. And the biggest criticism I've, I've always gotten from people over the years, and not even on radio, is I always said the main issue that Tim Wolves had, you know, aside from the one year where, where uh, Costello didn't get hurt, it might have changed things, was I always said Kevin Garnett is the greatest number two to ever play basketball. Over Scottie Pippen, he just, he wasn't, as great as he was, he needed that, he needed the Paul Pierce or Ray Allen to help elevate him to that next level to be the guy. And, and people shit on me all the time for it. I've always said, you know, to me, in my lifetime, it's, it's Tim Duncan and Dirk as one and two at power forward. And I agree. Three. I'm sorry. Um, and that's what, well, yeah. that's what Collins has always felt like. As great as he is, you know, we made the playoffs when we got buckets, when we got Butler. It wasn't Towns, you know. And I think Ant can be that guy and they get along or maybe – this is what we needed to really start making a run. Well, yeah, and, and, and the reality is the facts are what you see in front of you. And, and like you were saying, like dogging on you for saying Kevin Garnett is the best number two of all time. Look, the reality is he only, if you look at all the seasons that Garnett played the Timberwolves, how many times did he get out of the first round of the playoffs? Once. One time. So, and that's just, and, and, this, and to me it's the same thing with, with Carl Anthony Towns, we, we were never – with Towns as the number one player on our roster, I don't think we would have ever made a substantial playoff push without a guy like Anthony Edwards because the thing was with Towns, talented player, I think you could make the argument that he's one of the best shooting big men of all time. But, but, but there's so many elements to the game of basketball. You got the – you know, you got how good you are as a skill player versus – the mentality you bring to the court. And, and it's kind of like, I mean, we, we used to get into arguments about Kobe in terms of, you know, where Kobe ranks all time. Yeah. And, and skill-wise, look, skill-wise, I could probably name, I could probably name 10 basketball players better than Kobe Bryant in terms of skills. But, but the, the thing that elevates Kobe into being borderline top five player of all time, in my opinion, is that extra juice that he brought to the court. And stuff like that is just—I mean, you just—you can't teach that. And yeah. it's so important to the game of basketball that stuff like that is so valuable. And it's the same thing with Towns. You know, not discrediting—not discrediting the basketball player, but it's just—it's just the truth. He—he he needs a guy like Anthony Edwards on his team to elevate his team to the next level and a championship level that they hopefully will be become in the future. I love it, man. See, so we got our wolf pocket, even if Ben Beacon can't join us. And that's okay. Minnesota represent. Uh, with that being said, though, let's get into our first one, which we haven't talked about yet. Lucas, you with us, sir? Yes, sir. How we doing, man? Good to have you back out here. Last time we talked to you, free agency time. This time we're going trade deadline. 
And we got some interesting things to discuss, as I'm sure we do. But real quick, for all of our new listeners, why don't you introduce yourself to everybody? Uh, my name is Lucas Johnson. I'm the co-site expert and co-host of the Sixer Sense and its podcast associated with Fan Sighted. So right off the bat, what in the hell is going on with Ben Simmons in the next 24 hours, man? <laughs> I just, I don't know. You know, that's a million dollar question. Yeah, no, I mean, it's a fair question. And honestly, I don't have a clear cut answer for you. So, and it's not like it's credible versus non-credible. They're, it's just credible source, you know, reporters not having a straight, you know, narrative. Not even within some own organizations. You have Brian Windhorst saying one thing and Adrian Wojnarowski saying another. Um, then Jake Fisher's saying other things as well as Shams Karinia. It, it's just so many different voices saying so many different things. It's hard to guess. Um, but I think the, the this this much is clear. James Harden is the ideal target of the six. Whether it be this trade deadline or the offseason. It's also clear that there is some level of dissatisfaction with James Harden and the Brooklyn Nets based off of Kyrie Irving, the injuries, the lack of depth on the roster, whatever you may say, the how he fits in the offense. Um, James Harden definitely has a history with Daryl Morey, the current president of basketball operations for the Sixers. If I had to if I had to guess, and this is purely just a guess, I don't have any strong evidence pointing one way or, or another. I The way that this is feeling, this feels like a trade's going to happen, but it's going to come out of nowhere in terms of, like, you know, oh, like people saying there's zero talks and then there's going to be, like, really heated talks within the last hour of the trade deadline. That's That's just my guess. I could be completely off. I, me and my co-host actually have a running bet right now. Whoever wins it, uh, loses it, has to wear a their least favorite Sixer shirt. And uh, <laughs> I, and I think I have I think I have to wear a Paul Reed one. And I don't dislike Paul Reed for Sixers fans out there. It's just it was his favorite, and I had him bet that if he loses, which he says uh, Benson's will get traded at the deadline. I said he wouldn't. This was at the beginning of the season. He he would have to wear a Shake Milton shirt. So <laughs> we 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 have a running bet. The bet is getting pretty intense right now. So we'll see what happens. Uh, exciting. But uh, if I had to bet money on who's going to wear which shirt, I'm going to say that I'm probably going to end up having to wear the shirt. But at the same time, it's a fifty-fifty flip at this point. Like we honestly don't know. But if Vincent, if James Harden is off the table. Especially with the other trades with, like, Tyrese Halliburton being moved. I really don't see – oh, and don't forget about Bradley Beal getting uh, season-ending surgery. I don't see a trade happening unless it's for James Harden at this trade deadline. Yeah, and I was just going to add – yeah, I was just going to add in on that. Um, is there any – because, I mean, obviously, if you trade ben, ben Simmons for James Harden, that's the rumor that has the most legs mm-hmm. to it right now. Mm-hmm. Would you, covering the Sixers, be happy if they went a different route and traded Simmons for like a younger group of players? Because really, I kind of look at it like at this point, it's almost like you want to try to get what you can for Ben Simmons. Mm-hmm. Assuming, His value is at, at all time low. It, yeah, well, yeah, exactly. And you don't know 
Um, well, you, I mean, you can't predict the future with him, whether or not, you know, whether or not he's going to eventually play for the Sixers again, but that's obviously looking less likely as, as the weeks and months go by. But but the, the, the question I had about the James Harden situation is, would it be um, concerning to you to trade Ben Simmons to a conference rival like the Brooklyn Nets that you may eventually have to beat in the Eastern Conference playoffs down the road? I mean, we all know Ben Simmons chokes in the playoffs. So, <laughs> in terms of... Well, it, we got to worry about it, those three fields, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I mean, they could hack a Ben like crazy, and who knows, he might not even show up for games in Philly if that, that ends up being the case. Because clearly he does not want to play in front of those fans. Um, but no... <laughs> But in terms of your other question uh, regarding would I mind trading for a plethora of younger players, I mean, it depends on the group. I think Tyrese Halliburton would have definitely been in that tier for me of play, young players that I would have been interested in. Um, is that the only one? No. I, I would be interested in others. Uh, I will say this, unless it's a super a guard that can play off the ball at some level, like a James Harden or – you could you could even go like a Malcolm Brogdon level type of player, you know type of that type of player combo guard. I I wouldn't trade for a straight up point guard for for uh, James Harden for uh, Ben Simmons and the reason why is Tyrese Halliburton. He's going to be something special. I think he he has an All Star you know appearance in his future, possibly multiple. We'd we'd have to wait and see. But this kid is special. He works hard. He takes criticism. And he's improved his game so much during this season alone. It's been ridiculous. Three-point shooting, the defense, the playmaking, all of it has improved dramatically from the beginning of the season. This kid kid is a sponge, and I think his potential could be all-star level. Do you think, too, I mean, I personally think, you know, the Kings-Pacer deal, Blazers-Pelicans, I think a lot of that that moving pieces kind of took away from Philly in the market too. You know, I, I think other teams just kind of giving up and saying we're not worried about it anymore. Cause I know the, I had always heard the Kings were a dark horse to try to make a trade for the Sixers. And, you know, you mentioned Halliburton and that could have been a piece right there. I know Philly's not, not very keen on moving Tyrese Maxey as well. Part of the deal. One thing that uh, CBS talked about about an hour ago um, that Windhorse is stating that the, this, it's in the deal zone uh, per his phrasing, whatever the hell that means. Uh, mm-hmm. The Simmons for Harden deal is is looking good, but there's also talks that to make sure that Daryl Morey, who apparently just loves Simpson James Harden, uh, doesn't realize that you know 14 turnovers every game seven isn't a good thing. He there, there's talks now too that just came out. I don't know if you've heard about this or your thoughts, and I'm curious. Uh, they'd be willing to move uh, Tobias Harris to make sure that they can extend James Harden as well. <laughs> Hang on one second. David, no, you're, you're good. Okay. You're okay. You're okay. Sorry, that was my dog. Gotta take she care of the kids, man. No, man. No, you're good. Uh, But to answer your question, is there a level of concern about acquiring James Harden at this age and stage of his career? And especially moving Uh, a guy like Tobias Harris to extend him on top of it. 
I, I mean, Tobias Harris is one of the worst contracts in the league. So I That's would not fair. mind moving off, moving <laughs> off of him. But at the same point, at the same point, I there is a level of concern. James Harden is not the cleanest fit with Joel. James Harden does best with the rim running big. Joel's not that. And I mean, the, I, there's con, legit concern about his age. The fact that he ball dominates a lot. Um. That's not a great fit with Joel. Now, I mean, obviously they'd be a favorite in the East, but I don't know if the fit's there, and I would certainly be concerned about long-term fit, obviously, too. So mm-hmm. it's a it's a two-edged sword there. James Harden would not be my top choice. I think my top choice would easily be Bradley Beal, but he's off the table for now. So that that being said, I mean – you could do a lot worse than James Harden for Ben Simmons. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Totally agree. Um, yeah, and I was gonna, I was just gonna add too. Ryan, he brought up the the uh, the, the Tobias Harris situation. Um, do you think that just offloading Tobias Harris is potentially impacts the Sixers' run through the playoffs? Because I mean. Right now, there's kind of a logjam between the second seed and the fifth seed. So, I, so there's, a, there's a legitimate there's a legitimate chance that you can see the Sixers as slotted in as the second third seed and could make a run at the finals. So so when you're so when you're thinking about potential trades, are you kind of thinking more? Um, I guess in your philosophy and your like and your thinking, are you thinking more like win now and like you know try to make a run this year or next year? Are you are you thinking about like the next four or five years down the road to be a more of a sustainable team in the Eastern Conference? You know, it's a balance. You have covering the team. You have to look at both. Obviously, me personally, regarding Tobias Harris, you only trade Tobias Harris if you know you're getting James Harden. Like during this season, if you're not going to get Tobias uh, James Harden until the off season, there's no need to rush a Tobias Harris trade. Keep him on the roster. He's Despite being a bad contract, he is, you know, a quality third option for for a championship-level team. I mean, he's not that for the Sixers, but he he can offer a lot for the Sixers. So my suggestion is just to keep him, Um, and then you can try to move him in the offseason. And honestly, it might be easier to move him in the offseason versus now. Right, right. Yeah, and I agree because, I mean, mean, the reality is, despite the bad contract, like you were saying, Still averages 19.1 points per game, which is the second on the team still. So I think that that's definitely a factor like like you brought up. So um, if you heard my hot daughter, she definitely agreed with us too. So, <laughs> that was her doing those little hummings in the background. If you could not hear her. <laughs> hey, uh, Lucas, before before I wrap or before I let you go here, I got one last thing for you. Yeah, I'm gonna let mm-hmm. you get to it. You know, I. I I, I know I know the parenting duties quite well. Uh, my kid just yells at me about Minecraft usually, and I'm just like, leave me alone. I don't I don't know about Minecraft. I don't know. What uh, my about. daughter's only three, so she is not quite there yet. But I'm oh, sure gosh. she wants that attention. My kid turned six, and I'm like, how did you learn about all these things in like six months? Like, where where did this go? Watch Paw Patrol. Cool. That's more it's my cool. level. <laughs> it's, it's all it's all school, man. You gotta yeah. watch out for it. Um, my daughter's. It, Soaked up so much from school and a good and most of it in a good way. So. <laughs> you gotta love it, but, though, man. I love the kids. Love the kids. Yeah. It's so fun. Um, 
But, oh, yeah. but I'll, I'll leave you with this last question here. Is Daryl Morey's obsession with James, Hard- James Harden going to be a curse? Like, is it, is it just, like, is it one of those things where it's like he, he wants his toy back and he wants it so bad that there's nothing else to look at? Like, I just, I keep going back to that in my mind. I mean, it's a real concern. I definitely understand the, the perspective. Yeah, Tiani, I agree. That it could be a concern. Yeah, uh-huh. She knows what's going on. You're out of the babe yourself. Yeah, it's, it's a concern. Uh, you know, hopefully, I would hope as a professional manager of a team, he doesn't have a super hyper fixation on James Harden, and he can see that James Harden is – there is some red flags to James Harden, the health, the weight, the production. They're all not great this season. At the same time, like I said, you could do a lot worse for Ben yeah. Simmons than James Harden. So. <laughs> It's like I mean, you get James that. Harden, maybe you could get Doc Rivers to get him to buy into his system. We'll have to wait and see. And, uh, you know, I, I'm hoping for the best. I am hoping for the best. Yeah, um, but I also can, hope man. for the best with Al Horton, so I don't know how valid that is. <laughs> oh, man, I love it. Hey, man, we, we greatly appreciate you coming on and, and just – Chatting real fast and six or stuff as always. Um, throw any plugs, anything you you know, anything you got, so our people can you know keep up with you if you'd like. Well, you can always follow the Six and Sense uh, at Six and Sense uh, on Twitter, and you can follow me at Lucas Johnson MBA on Twitter. And uh, you can always go to our website, the Six or Six I think. And uh, we well, we hope that your listeners will come to our site, listen to our podcasts, and read our articles. And we hope that uh, that we produce a high level of stuff that you guys would enjoy. Oh man, we we do. I, I, I always love reading it. I love chatting with you, man. And uh, I, I'm sure I'll be in touch here as the year goes on because we're gonna have to have some more uh, Sixers talk. I'm sure here. <laughs> of course. Thanks, of course, sir. thanks, thanks man. Appreciate it. Let me get Appreciate let me get this little little girl squared away, okay? <laughs> All right, man. <laughs> Take care of the real important stuff, man. We'll see ya. <laughs> Lucas Johnson coming out here talking Texas rapid fire coming in, going to the next one. Danny, you're with us, sir. Hey, what's going on? How are we doing, man? Uh, watch you real quick. Uh, go ahead, introduce yourself for all of our listeners. Everybody new jumping in here because I'm uh, excited to, excited to chat about this, this surprising Cleveland Cavaliers team that you guys have. Yeah, hi, I'm Dan Galinti, um, site co-expert at King James Gospel. Um, that's at KJG underscore MBA. Um, you can find me at armchair, armchair QB Dan on Twitter. Um, yeah, it's it's been a quite a season for for the Cavs. Uh, definitely has taken people by by surprise around the league. It seems you you guys went in and everyone was like, you know, LeBron left and everyone, damn it, you know, that's how it goes. Ah, he left us again. Yada yada yada. But my God, you guys put together this nice little backcourt. Uh, grab Jared Allen, Evan Mobley showing up, starting every game this year. You know, you got, you still got Charmin, Kevin Love, former Timberwolf here in Minnesota that, you know, it is what it is with him. I don't mean to downplay him too much, but, you know, marketing coming in, starting every game he played. My God, you guys, you guys are, are a force in the Eastern Conference. What is going on here? Yeah, I think uh, some of it, I mean, earlier on, I had to kind of do with some 
I guess teams having like protocols, guys in that um, kind of helped a little bit here and there. But I just think with like when Markin has been, when they've been relatively healthy, like the three kind of big lineup has um, taken some teams by surprise, uh, especially when you're playing like it's a random team, especially like not in division um, playing them for the first or, or maybe second time. It takes, Teams a little bit off guard, it seems, and um, they've been able to have good ball movement off of it. Um, and, and I have to give JB some credit um, what he's, with what he's been able to do, um, getting the guys to buy in as well. And um, they've been making more open threes this season than, I, than they have in years past. Some of it might be just the, the bouncing of the ball, but they've actually been winning close games this year, which – um, having some vets that, that are playable has definitely helped in that way. That's right. Right. It's all about all about the margins and kind of kind of going off kind of going off the trend. Um, looking at Karis Levert, obviously bringing him in on paper looks like a great deal for the Cavs, but just kind of th- in the short term it looks great, obviously with what he brings to your team. But looking beyond this year. The reality is he's 27 years old. He does have a substantial injury history. Do you see concerns about that? Kind of looking, you know, building around him the next few years. Um, just kind of looking at his past and the concerns about the future potentially for him. Yeah, I mean, you, you hit the nail on the head there. I, honestly, I'm probably more than most um, kind of – I weigh injury concerns probably more than most people, honestly. So I, I completely hear you there. Um, initially, I, I would say like I'm I'm lukewarm about it. I'm not like as crazy about it as some other people. Um, and, and I understand Colin Sexton has uh, some development to go. I mean, he's he's a ways away from being a finished product. But yeah, I mean, Levert's played. I think 71 games was was the high in his career. And yeah, he's he's had a lot of injury issues, and um, with Indy, there was some didn't the fit wasn't great. I mean, the the splits looked good, but part of it this year also was I mean Malcolm Brogdon was hurt, so somebody had to kind of facilitate and playmake as well. And and a lot of what Levert does, um, I, I just hope that it can they can find a way to have a mesh. Um, that's that's a little bit of a concern too, but. I think in due time with, with what they've been able to do this season and having guys like Rondo around um, in the emergence of Darius Garland, um, taking that next step also as a playmaker, not just a shot creator, um, can kind of leverage that. And, and I don't know if they'll be able to do it from a luxury tax standpoint, but I, that's why, I like, personally, I, I'm a Sexton guy, and that's just because from Cleveland. But um, with the Levert, injury thing. I think that's, I understand that he's coming off an injury, but Sexton throughout his whole career really hasn't been hurt. And I don't view that as really that concerning. So I, I'm, I'm a little bit concerned about uh, Levert's injury stuff, but if they can realistically have three shot creators, like looking past this season, I think that kind of uh, is some injury insurance in a way. You know, I want to almost play devil's advocate on, on that role. You look at you know, you, you look at the Pacers with, with what they kind of were this year, and obviously Levert, you know, playing 39 games or whatnot. If he's healthy, to me, this was a significant upgrade. 
Like, I don't think you guys gave up. I mean, a lot of protected first, which this team, if they're going to play this well with this young, they're only going to get better. You know, Seti Osman, Isaac Okoro, you got a lot of young guys. It's not like an aging team that's coming together to have one final hurrah before they go out to the pasture and, and, and die. It's just, you know, this is, this is a young squad, minus Kevin Love. And if, if Levert, who, you know, theoretically people say 28 to 32 is, is when you hit your prime, if he hasn't hit his prime yet and can stay healthy, I mean, you gave up nothing. I mean, I, I, I'm obviously always going to be a Ricky Rubio guy being from Minnesota. But, you know, he was injured. He wasn't playing anyway. It didn't matter. This team, you know, this team could make a run with this, with this roster. If they stay together and, and you establish that chemistry that you, you had mentioned with getting, you know, having JB get him to buy in and everything. He's coming off the bench, I see, in the game against the Spurs. But this has got to be, aside from looking at the negative of the injury, this is a win, man, right? I, I mean, am I crazy? Like, if you look at potential of what this team should be with him, I mean, it's a home run. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't blame him for doing it. Um, definitely sensible. They didn't. I mean, it's two picks, realistically. Um, probably top thirty-five, but and then you have the one looking onward. Who knows there? But mm-hmm. yeah, I, I mean, I don't blame Altman for doing it at all. I mean, it's it, it, they had to do something, so. Um, and Levert is, is from Ohio as well. I mean, he there's that element too. Not that that played into a deal, but um, yeah, I, I completely am with you there. I mean, there really was very little risk to it. Just given that they seemed very likely to trade their pick this year anyway for somebody, um, I, I'm much more in favor of doing this than getting a guy like like an Eric Gordon who is 33 and, and has had injury real seasons recently too. Um, I, I like Eric Gordon a lot, but just this is a, a far better alternative. And they do, I mean, kind of get him to, to be on board. I don't know if it'll be like looking onward. As a, I, I can't say for certain if it's starter or bench, but um, they might be able to negotiate a, a fairly reasonable deal. We'll see uh, just because Darius Garland might be extended this off season too. But yeah, again, it's, it was a, definitely a win. You know, he he was looking good with Jared Allen when they were in Brooklyn together, too. Like, you know, the more and more I keep thinking about this, I'm like, man, you know, it's 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 not like they went for that, you know, your run-of-the-mill role player in, like, P.J. Tucker or Robert Covington or something like that. Like, that's why I'm just like, man, you know, this this Levert deal might, might actually be something. It, it, I, I know it's crazy to think, but, you know, the Eastern Conference is so, is so wishy-washy, it feels like, at times, minus, you know, maybe Milwaukee with what they're truly doing, they got a shot to make a run. I mean, they really do. And Nick, I didn't mean, you know, apologies for cutting you off there because I know you were coming in next, but I just, it, I, I'm, the more and more we're talking this out, I'm, I'm, I'm more and more enjoying this trade, I think. Yeah, I, I think right now it's, it's definitely the time for them to try to hit the gas a little bit. I mean, they've kind of earned it, if you will. Um, have gotten some marquee wins here, and yeah, I just think they're just looking at the playoffs, trying to get another shot career, and with Garland being banged up lately, um, can kind of help that way and forge the chemistry a little bit. So yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm not disagreeing with you. Yeah, I was just gonna come in and ask about. I I, I read your articles that you recently 
he put out about the idea of trading Alex Lynn. Um, I was just curious because I kind of read through you, you laid some really interesting points and uh, and really ideas that I agree with what Alex Glenn could bring to your team. And so I, I, I guess this is kind of a two-part question. First, I guess, are there other players, other type of bigs that can play the five and are kind of versatile like Alex Len that could bring a sim, like similar traits to the team? And if not, does Alex Len, um, you know, does the, the fouling and, you know, his lack of defense concern you considering the Cavaliers this year are one of the top defensive teams in the NBA? Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's definitely a legitimate concern with Len. I mean, I think he's had like like a little under five fouls per 36 for his career. And, I mean, the dude's been a bench player playing like 15 minutes a game often. So it's definitely a concern. It, and thanks for reading that, by the way. But uh, I, I just look at yeah, him. I mean, problem. there's he's grown leaps and bounds as a finisher in recent seasons. I think that, that definitely is something that um, – I kind of value highly for them just in like a like 12 to 14 minute like like spot reserve five guy um they don't really have that's kind of like an underrated piece they're missing this year um them not bringing back Isaiah Hardenstein I thought was kind of a surprise in the offseason because I mean he's actually like a really solid player he's a guy that follows too but um this guy or Len is is pretty polished inside. I mean, he's definitely gotten far better as as, as we touched on. A finisher, um, a lot better in the kind of on the low block, like it, here and there, um, than he was earlier in his career. Um, and I don't know, at least in the short roll, can hit some shots in that in that way. So I just think having like 48 minutes of rim protection and and allowing Mobley maybe to get a little more rest is kind of what I was going with there. Oh yeah. yeah well, yeah. And I, and I think, I think that was actually a, a good name to bring up because I mean, despite his issues with defense and following, I mean, I mean, the guy's, I mean, the guy's a, a stat machine when he actually plays and stays out of foul trouble. So um, totally understand what you were going with there. And I think that, I mean, I, I mean, I obviously it's just a hypothetical trade idea. I think, it's definitely one that makes a lot of sense and fits with the needs that the Cavaliers have right now. Oh, Ryan, do you have anything more? No, that was that, that was a that was a great way to, to go with it, man. I, I'm excited. Like like I said, you know, Dan, I, I I wanted to make sure that we gave the Cavs some love tonight because I truly am shocked in, in a good way with what this team has been able to turn around. I'm a I'm a guy who never was a big Michael Jordan fan. Because when I grew up, my favorite player was Mark Price. So, like, okay. I've always had a soft spot for the Cavs in my, you know. We, I, I, I grew up a Laker fan because we didn't, you know, when I, was, when, when I grew up, I didn't have the Timberwolves until I was, like, seven or eight years old. So we didn't have a team in Minnesota. And, and obviously, Lakers being from here, I went, cool, that'll be the team I cheer for. But I always had this soft spot for, man, Mark Price, Craig Elo, Brad Doherty, Larry Nance, you know, Hot Rod Williams. I always wanted to see that team win. And Jordan always made that never happen. So I was, I was like, damn it, I want 25 to get his ring, you know, get a ring, and it never happened. And I always – so I've always kind of just kept my eye on this team. And it's, it's nice to see that with all the wild 
up and down it's been, you know, obviously having the man your sights named after, uh, this team is, is, is succeeding. And, and I think you guys deserve it. I'm happy for that. Um, uh, hey, man, yeah. I, I appreciate it, really, truly. <laughs> plug everything you got, man. It was great talking to you. We've we got to get you back on again. But plug everything once again where we're just like, you know, where Nick read your stuff and everything where we can we can read and chat with you. All right, guys. Thanks again. And uh, you guys are doing a great job. Thanks for having me. Yeah, appreciate it, man. We'll talk again soon. Uh, that is for sure, man. We'll, we'll see how this playoff run goes. <laughs> Will do, yeah. And Timberwolves are playing well too. I mean, I gotta give them a shout out too. Hey, it, it, we we had our we had our good rants about that, and uh, it felt good to not yeah. suck for once. <laughs> That's for sure. Yeah, it's been, hey, like, I, yeah, it's only I know, yeah, it's I only know been like twenty years. It's only been like a year for us all. Well, you guys got you guys got Ann. He's he's a oh, worth the price of admission himself. Right. It's beautiful. All right, thanks, Dan. We'll talk again. All right, appreciate it, man. All right, thanks again. Appreciate it. Dang, coming on Talking Cavs. And now, uh, the man of the hour, man, we had a lot of fun with on our last free agency special. Ron, are you with us, sir? Uh, yes, I am. Oh, man. He, 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 before we have you do the, do the royal introduction that we, we love to have everyone do, he is the epitome after our last free agency special when he came in and threw it down with us for longer than every single person that we had on the show. He, he gets my official David Fisdale. Take that for data. Uh, stamp of approval, if you will, man. Ron, uh, glad to have you back. Go ahead and uh, reintroduce yourself for all of our listeners, sir. Yeah, uh, I'm Ronald Eggers. Uh, I'm kind of a little bit of a busy guy. Uh, I write for LakeshowLife.com, which covers the Los Angeles Lakers for Fansided.com. Uh, I'm a contributing writer for Slam Magazine Online Newsroom. Uh Got a lot going on, yeah. yeah. So that I'm basically swimming in the deep end when it comes to NBA basketball these days. <laughs> you know, I, I will never forget. This is random off topic, and then we'll get to the Lakers. I, I promise. I, I will never forget. I, I had a Slam magazine from you know, you know, 15 years ago, 16 years ago, whatever. And everyone was like, "Man, this cover." That LeBron James guy is going to be the star. And I was the guy who was like, nah, man, it's all about Sebastian Telfair, the other guy in the corner uh, covering. Man, I still have two Timberwolves Telfair jerseys. <laughs> and I blame Slam Magazine every time. <laughs> Forget my whole stuff. That well, he was going to be fan. the deal. <laughs> well, you're fa- yeah, you're a real fan of Sebastian Telfair. I'll give you that much. But, yeah, oh, that, that, that one did not work out at all. I, I had to. <laughs> go to the, the Timberwolves Pro Shop and when I asked them uh, for a Telfair jersey after he came from the Celtics they said, you gotta go to the third level and you gotta go to the custom jersey guy because we don't sell him and I had to have they had to custom make one and deliver it halfway through the game to me <laughs> and I was like, yeah I got a Telfair finally um, but obviously you know, and we talked before and as you know, people have heard and people know obviously with my end, I'm a diehard Laker guy I bleed purple, um Everything on this deadline, as, as we spoke, you know, pr- uh, privately before here, has been so many just random, anything's possible. You got Windhorse saying one thing. You got Woj saying another thing. The Westbrook situation, they don't want to move their 2027 first-round pick. Is this team doing anything before the deadline tomorrow? No. 
Okay, let's get and his, uh, that's the simple answer. But I assume you need a little bit more than than the thirty second <laughs> answers. So I will break it down for you and your listeners. Everybody, pay attention. Here's why Russell Westbrook will be here in L.A. tomorrow. Okay, because the only way they can trade that to trade Russell Westbrook is to match up salaries. There's only one guy in the in the league that uh, who has a contract. That wants to be that another team wants to get rid of. That is John Wall. They have the same contract. It matches up perfectly. But here's the problem: Russell Westbrook's stock is so low, they basically have to give a 27, 2027 first round pick, and probably another couple of second round picks just to move him. So in other words, the Lakers do not want to go to the fact of don't don't want to look themselves in the mirror, and say, I made a mistake of bringing this guy in, giving up Kyle Kuzma, giving up Montrezl Harrell, giving up Contagious Caldwell Pope, just basically kicking Alex Caruso's butt out the door and saying, look, we just don't want you no more. Go to Chicago and get your money for Russell Westbrook, who has been absolutely, compared to his, his Hall of Fame career, absolutely atrocious. Now, with what he has said coming out saying that uh, calling out Frank Vogel for his benching from last night after getting killed by the Milwaukee Bucks, they're sitting on a time bomb. If you're asking for my opinion, you better go ahead and get that second, get that first-round pick and maybe a second-round pick or something or grab DeAndre Jordan or a couple of uh, those veteran minimum players and trade them away. Here's why they're not going to do anything. They have... Three max-level players. LeBron James, he ain't going nowhere. Anthony Davis, he ain't going nowhere. And you have Russell Westbrook. You got Kendrick Nunn, who makes $5 million. He has not played one second of the regular season this year. You have Taylor Horton Tucker at $10 million. That's why those two guys, Kendrick Nunn and Taylor Horton Tucker, are the only ones that can line up some salaries to even make a deal. The rest of the team are making veterans minimum. Let's put this in perspective. Luol Ding has not played for the Lakers in three, maybe four years. He makes $5 million on the cap this year. He makes more than seven players on the Los Angeles Lakers. <laughs> Let all of that sink in. They're not going anywhere. They basically shoved all of their chips into the, on the table and say, we're going to ride this out. We're going to make this thing work. Because if they were smart, they would have taken the deal with Buddy Heald and brought those cats in. Mm-hmm. Because that's why Montrez Harrell opted into his contract to make the deal, because he did not want to play for Frank Vogel. And let's talk about Frank Vogel. If they keep this, it's going to be down to this. ESPN and the rest of those cats ain't going to say it, so I'll say it for you. If they can do one of two things, you fire Frank Vogel or you get rid of Russell Westbrook because those two are not going to get along for the rest of the season. You're sitting on a time bomb, and I guarantee you the explosion will be so intense, Russell Westbrook will be suspended at some time at the end of this year if they don't get this together because they don't get along at all. It, it's hard, man. It's you know you look you look at this team, and 
everybody at the beginning of the year thought, okay, we got this, you know, we brought in this. Carmelo's going to be the nice role player. Hey, Malik Monk's a good piece, you know, yada, yada, yada. And it's just, it's not working. And it frustrates me. And honestly, it, it, it frustrates the hell out of me as, as, as a fan of, you know, this, this team on paper should be doing so much more than it, than, it, than it is, and it's not. And I don't know if it's just a situation, too, where, you know, AD can't stay healthy. LeBron's finally coming back to reality, and he's not Superman anymore, and, and he doesn't know how to cope with it. You know, Russell Wilson, Russell Westbrook, Russell Wilson, what am I talking about? Russell Westbrook's played every game. He, you know, he, he's been there, done that, but he's proven on three teams now he can't carry a team himself. It's just, it's, it's not working. And I, I don't know, call me crazy here, Ron, but I don't see this getting better even for the foreseeable future with this team, with all the money locked up and, and the age and, and, you know, I feel like it was great we won in the bubble, but we're going to be in a bo- we're going to be in a bad spot. Eighteen and a half out. I don't see it getting better this year, next year. Am I crazy? Well, it's not going to get it. It's not going to get any better. And let's be clear. <laughs> I, I I'm taking I'm basically taking victory laps now because everything that I have stated has come to pass. Mm-hmm. One, I knew they were not going to win the title with Russell Westbrook. I thought they would win 58 games, but they lost to Sacramento a couple of times. Then they lost to the Oklahoma City Thunder a couple of times. They almost lost to Houston Rockets. They started losing to all of these bad teams. And see, that's what they thought. Yo, you got to, you have to blow them out. And that's the reason. That's how NBA works with the LeBron James teams. LeBron James always plays the easy teams that don't nobody want to see. Then the playoff. Then when the Super Bowl is over, he, he get for ratings. You get his teams against the Philadelphia 76ers, the Milwaukee Bucks, the Brooklyn Nets, those type of teams, those marquee games. So the Lakers are supposed to, like, kill all the, all the bottom feeders of the NBA, and then if they struggle here and there, everybody can understand it, but they still got a good, strong seating going into the playoffs. They didn't do that. They've been hovering around 500, under, uh, under 500, basically all season long. Now they have to start winning games. And the schedule is brutal to finish the re- to finish the regular rest of the regular season. I mean, they're gonna we- they're gonna beat Portland tonight because they're gonna trade all their team their players away. But they will go to Golden State on Saturday night and get beat down just like they did against Milwaukee last night. I mean, let, let's let's hope we can beat Portland. To be honest, <laughs> uh, Nick Nick, uh, go ahead and jump in here. I'm, I'm getting hot, so I need to, I need to take a, a, a quick breather, if you will. Yeah, speaking of hot, um, I, I, read, I read an article um, that you wrote three weeks ago, how to fix the Los Angeles Lakers season pulp style. And a hot take that you had is you said place the White Howard in the starting lineup. So if, if you can just kind of elaborate more on that for our listeners who have not read your article and just kind of explain the, the rationale and your feeling behind that. If you still okay. believe that. Yes, I still believe that. But right now, because I really believe that Dwight Howard just needs to – he should pray he should be traded at this point. Here's the thing. I don't care what everybody says. They say Anthony Davis is the five and it works and everything. Maybe it does. But here's what – he is not fully bought in to being playing the five. Why? Because five centers in the NBA are built like Giannis Antetokounmpo. We saw what Giannis did to him, right? Gave him 44 points, 17 to 20, 14 boards, two blocks, yada, yada, yada. When you have Dwight Howard in there, 
Just let him start. He ain't got to play no 35, 40 minutes like the rest of those cats. What you're saying, you're trying to get him engaged. Now, if he's engaged, he's going to rim protect. He's going to go after every shot. He's going to be able to protect the backside of Anthony Davis. So if he comes strong, when he comes to the strong side to defend, defend uh, perimeter guards going to the paint, driving to the bucket because perimeter defense for the Lakers stink, you have Anthony Davis coming from the weak side along with LeBron James coming from the other side. It's harder to get easy baskets if you're the, if you if you if you're the opposing play, opposing team. Now, if Dwight Howard does not play well. No problem. Sit him down. If he doesn't want to be engaged that night, sit him down. There have been nights that he has played very, very well. He's had 14 points and, and 12 rebounds, eight offensive boards and stuff like that. And guess what? Frank Vogel will sit him down. So if you play Dwight Howard and say, hey, man, listen here, here's your chance. Do you want to start? You know what he's going to say. Yeah, I want to start. I want to start. Yeah. You're going to play hard. You're going to rotate. You're going to defend. You're going to run the floor. You're going to pick up the pace, and you're going to run. You're going to you're going to play pick and roll and help Russ out and stuff like that. That's what you're going to do, and you're going to put a body on somebody. You're going to provide toughness. You're going to put somebody on the floor. You're going to make somebody think about coming to the rim outside of just smiling and what you're going to eat for dinner because you ain't got nothing to worry about because Anthony Davis is out on the, on the perimeter guarding his man. So you give them a chance to think about something. And here's another thing. If he does not do what he's supposed to do, you're showcasing him so you can make a trade so you're not stuck in a situation where you are right now. Don't no team want Dwight Howard because they don't know what he can provide for your team. You know, I, I, in, in, the, in the wildest way, as somebody who, who became an anti-Dwight guy for a while because of his first run here, which a lot of Laker fans were, I, I, don't, I don't think it's the wrong answer. When, when we, we had that bubble team, Dwight Howard was a, a great centerpiece for this team. He had his head on straight. He was apologetic. He realized he screwed up the first time he was here. He, you know, he was, he was playing on a you can turn my contract, whatever the hell you want to type deal. And it worked. He was a machine. Why not do it? Cause you, you got to do something here, man. Cause this team ain't going anywhere. And it's, you know, I, I that to sound like a beaten drum, but it, it, I don't see it changing. It, it sucks. It's frustrating. The, but it's not going to change. Changing. It's not, not going to change because Frank Vogel is not going to make changes. See, I don't think he has the power that a normal head coach would have. You have to understand, he's the fourth selection for the Lakers. They wanted Monty Williams. He's in Phoenix now. He's a pretty good coach. He said no. Tyron Lue is probably coach of the year for what he's doing with the Los Angeles Clippers. He said no. They said, he said no. They wanted Jason Kidd, but at the time he was having all those off the off the um court um, issues from years ago, yeah. they didn't want to sign him because it was a PR nightmare. Frank Vogel is the fourth guy. He has no power. Absolutely none. Because guess what? They, they, selected, the, uh, they selected his uh, assistant coaching staff. So he has no power. But Frank Vogel has done a terrible job. Because everybody keeps saying, well, he's not the one playing. 
he's not finding the combinations of the people that's playing. If it was up to him, Malik Monk would not be playing. He would not be starting. The reason why Malik Monk has taken off is because of David Fisdale and Phil Handy, who put him in and gave him minutes when he was, when Vogel was out with COVID-19 in the protocols. Vogel does not make that does not make positive adjustments in the game and based on matchups that he has. It's just okay, this is what we're going to do. We're going to roll the ball to LeBron on offense and Anthony Davis, we need you to cover the entire floor and rotate <laughs> and cover everybody on defense. That is Frank Vogel's coaching style. It's 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 frustrating, man. I you know, and I encourage a lot of people go and go and read his article um, that he wrote about um, re- changing the whole. You know, you, you wrote that article about how you would fix the whole team and you know the steps you would take to change everything. And and it's just it, it's frustrating that that with the capital that we have on the team and with the personnel that we we have to think that way. And it, it, it sucks. It truly does. Um, I, I guess, I'm, I, you know, I want to leave you with this, and, you know, last question for you here, Ron. I, I don't want to take too much of your time. Once again, I know you're a busy man. What, like, what's your overall thought process and outcome? Like, what what is going to happen with this team going forward here this year, next year? Do you see changes, or do you think we're going to be kind of stuck in this bottom-end mediocrity of aging players and it's not going to get any better? Well, you're gonna get you're not, you're, you're gonna get changes because you're gonna get another you're gonna get another fresh case of uh, veteran minimum players that that are playing out the string and say, well, I want to play with LeBron. Maybe I can get a ring this year, or at least get some get some uh, get some attention uh, sitting on the bench this year. That's well, what's going to happen. Well, there's no free agents next year. Free agent class is trash next year. You're your best it, it free does not, agents it, it, it like Mikel Bridges. You know, it does like, not matter because they don't have any capital to even make any deals. See, the salary cap is eaten up by three players. See, everybody keeps talking about the, the old veteran players. They're not old veterans. You've got to change the mindset. It's not old veteran players. It's cheap veteran players. Are you willing to come in? Malik Monk makes $1.6 million a year. You're not going to get Malik Monk next year. Okay, he's gone. Yeah, he's Taylor Hoyt Tucker, you're going to keep him, you're going to keep Austin Reeves, and you're going to keep those three superstars. Period. That's it. There's no way. And, and as for how this team is going to be, this team is going to go right back to that six-year drought that they had before LeBron, before Anthony Davis showed up. That's the worst what's going team to in the league over those six years. Yes, it's and it's terrible. They're on a way of doing this again because LeBron is going to find is going to find a way to get out because he wants to play with his son. Anthony Davis is thinking he's going to look at it. Look, this looks like New Orleans Pelicans all over again. I'm going to want to get out. Russell Westbrook is definitely going to try to get out by the end of, the end of this season. But what are you going to get back? And they have absolutely, positively no first-round picks until 2027. Think about it. We're in 2022. Their next first-round pick of consequence is in 2027. And if they, tra- if they trade Russell Westbrook and get rid of that first-round pick in 2027, that's the decade. God. It's, it's crazy to think about. I mean, what, what was, I mean, was Alonzo literally the last first-round pick we had? Yes. Uh, yeah. Uh, they had, uh, yeah, I think that. And, yeah, I, was after Ingram, yeah. <laughs> But look and and also look at how well. Think about that. Lonzo Ball's been on two teams since the Lakers drafted him, and they haven't had a pick. Yes. 
<laughs> you can't you can't function that way. This isn't an NBA two K. This isn't you a can video only game. do one. You can only do one of two things. You can you can you can draft and stick with the plan, kind of like what Golden State did. They stunk for the last couple of years, right? Clay Thompson wasn't there, but they got younger and they stuck by it. And they said, we're going to develop these players. And Charlotte Hornets the same way. We're going to develop these players. We're going to play them. We're going to make sure that they get game time on the floor so they can get that experience. You either do that or you you make sure that you get a superstar that is feasibly, is, which, which is friendly to the cap so you can make moves and you can make adjustments if things doesn't work out. What the Lakers did, they threw it against the wall and said, okay, this is going to work. Everybody, they knew everybody in the NBA media would eat it up. But if you pay, if but like, I guess this is why y'all got me on. I'll tell you like it is. Hell yeah. Russell Westbrook can't shoot. He turns the ball over too much, and he's going to do it his way. He's been in the league 13 years. He's not changing. LeBron James. Well, I want to play. He's going to be playing power forward. He ain't changing. I don't know who convinced him. I think David Fisdale and Phil Handy convinced him to play center. For that alone, they should be taking, they should be coaching this squad, not Frank Vogel. But I guarantee you this: it's one of two things. One, well, one is too late. But I would assume they probably said, you know, something. You y'all feel that y'all can take this team over, and they don't want to mess up their reputations of uh, getting beat up for Frank Vogel's mistakes. So they probably just said no. It's 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 crazy the fact that that you know not not even you know Volter and play with the with the teams they have and man I just ah uh, the Lakers thing drives me nuts and that's like Ron this is why I like talking to you man because I you know I feel the same way I, you know there's no point of you know there's no point of tiptoe around it like this is the way it is and it's just you you, you got to deal with it and it needs to be discussed and it's frustrating and. It, it's going to be a long road because even even you know if LeBron leaves to go play wherever his kid gets drafted, if that happens, I don't know. I, I, everyone says all oh, the Lakers are a destination franchise. I get that, but I don't see anyone that's going to want to come play with a bunch of you know scrubs. Like I don't see us buying players. Like I don't see that suddenly if we have cap, if we move Russ and LeBron leaves, then it's you know. I mean, theoretically, are people really going to go, oh, man, AD, that guy can stay healthy. I want to come play with him. Like, I don't even know if he's the destination player to draw people here. I think they've been – the Lakers have been eaten off of that uh, Showtime Lakers thing. Yeah. The, Co- the era and the Sh- Kobe Shaq era. <laughs> this ain't the for 80s, years. This ain't the and, This isn't it anymore. And that's just not the case anymore. After a while, you have to win. I mean, you're going to have to have a reason to win. I mean, that's just like um, just like Mike Tyson used to say all the time. Everybody has a plan until they get in the ring with him, and then they get hit. So, with the Lakers, they knew the best player had to be Anthony Davis. He's not. LeBron's been the best player on the t- on the team. Guess what? They're not a good team. They're not going to be a good team. Uh, this this coach does not know how to work with the um, with the players that he has. He's done a bad job at that. And Russell Westbrook just flat out just did not fit. And right now, I'm just going to be honest with you. To Lake of, Lake of fans, if you're listening, you can listen to all these people, these media people that really want to go to L.A. for the summer if you want to. They're not a good team. They're not going to be there, – there is no movement that they can do unless they come up off that 2027 
first-round pick. If they don't, <laughs> guess what? You're going to be looking at the same team all season long, and if anything, you might get a get a blow. They may get rid of Kent Bazemore or DeAndre Jordan if they're lucky for a couple of second-round picks, so so the so the other so the other team could uh can uh, buy them out and just get some cap space. But basically, like right now, y'all got a bunch of cardboard boxes at the end of the at the end of the bench, and three high high price players. That to be totally honest with you, they're not earning their money. You, you know, you, you look at this, and, and as we talked about, not to keep beating a beating a dead horse here, but Lonzo Ball was drafted in 2017. This team is going to go a decade without a first round pick. That's just unheard of. And I, and I understand we can go well. Hey, guys, they got a title. You know, they won in the bubble, which, to be fair, I will say this, and I, and I said the same thing when the Tampa Bay Lightning won in the bubble, too. It, there's no home court. There's no home ice advantage. So you're winning on a neutral field. So I do credit that as a great win because that's hard. You know, you're, there's no, you, know you don't know the court, essentially, so it's, it's a nice win. And I'm not, not by any means discrediting that. But you can't go 10 years without a draft pick with an aging team and, and hope to sustain that. It's not going to happen. And, you know, just as we dissected, this team is it, – it sucks to say it, but this team is going nowhere and fast. Nowhere and fast. <laughs> but the problem – well, again, and it goes back to what – they changed up their business plan. Their job was to get rid of all of those bad contracts, Lou Alding, Timofey Bosgov. D'Angelo Russell, that's what Magic Johnson was brought in to do, mm-hmm. clean out all their contracts and whatnot and start getting and opening up cap space so you can get some flexibility. And I understood every move that they made up until the Russell Westbrook trade. you got to understand something. Do you realize Buddy Hill gets, uh, he makes less money the next two years of his contract? Yeah, yeah it was Buddy Hill in and it doesn't work out. Guess what? You can ship him out really quick. That's a fit. And, 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 you know, going off of you mentioned with Dang and Mazinov, that's a move that I thought Rob Palenka would have made because Palenka came in and made good moves. He got off. I mean, you look at that, that original Mazinov deal. He ended up flipping Mazinov and brought in Kuzma. Like, that was unheard of to think of. And, mm-hmm. then, and then it just, you know, you mentioned Buddy Heald, and it's like, how did he miss that? Like, where at what point did Palenka – you know, it, 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 I, I don't even have words. It, it sucks. It's confusing. It's frustrating. Well, let me, let me clear it up for you. See, everybody assumes that Rob Palenka makes all the moves. He's the, he's the final decision. He's not. Most NBA teams, yes, the general manager crunches the numbers, gets an idea, gets some of the scouting staff, and goes up to the ownership group and goes, hey, man, um, we're thinking about bringing this guy in at this amount of money. That's normal for the NBA. Now let's deal with the, how the Lakers do things. You have Curtin Lindorambus that makes a decision. You have Jenny Buss that makes a decision. There's this guy named business uh, executive called Tim Harris that makes the decision. LeBron has a vote. <laughs> Anthony Davis has a vote. You know where I'm going with this. Oh, yeah. They all oh, have yeah. votes. And then they go to Rob Palika and say, can you make this work? Okay, That's I can make this work. Da, 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 da. And then here's the paperwork. Okay, let's make the deal. Yeah, it's it, like I understand they try. It, I'm not even gonna to hell with it. I'm not even. <laughs> like, I'm just I'm frustrated, man. It sucks, Ron. Like I'm I'm genuinely pissed off. Like 
like I'm I'm super excited that we had this you know I you know we had we had our 615 bail and I'm glad because we got a half an hour to talk Lakers but at the same time it pisses me off because <laughs> it's just like the reality of this talking to somebody who knows the team like I do it just it, it, it shouldn't be this way. And in Lakers fans that I've talked to, you know, I've genuinely talked to a lot of Laker fans, you know, on social media and such, and they're mad. And, and I think every Laker fan deserves to be mad because you have this squad that should be better than it is. And you have a front office that you believe that you should be able to entrust to, to lead you the right way. And it's not working. It's just not working. And, and something's got to change. And like you said, maybe it's, maybe it's the Frank Vogel, you know, maybe you got to try to figure out how to get out of these big contracts. You know, it's, it's another, it's another rotating cast of mid-level exceptions next year. It's just, it's, it is what it is. Am I right, Ron? We're just going to see this for the next few years. Absolutely. And you're going to have to, and also to those, those Laker fans that you talk to on social media that are so upset, you got to start looking, you got to start looking at the front office and you got to stop looking at a lot of these, these, well, the Lakers are interested in this person. Well, the Lakers are interested in that person. I laugh when people said, oh, well, the Lakers are looking at um, Buddy Heald. Okay, so they're going to make a deal with Sacramento after doing a U-turn 15 minutes before they did the Russell Westbrook deal on draft night. <laughs> you got to deal with the other guys, too. Like, like if you're going to trade with Sacramento, what is Sacramento thinking? You can't just say, well, I'm interested in this player. So what? It doesn't make any difference. Yeah, just work. because I have just because I have uh, bacon and lettuce doesn't mean you're going to give me my toast. Great, <laughs> man. It's the truth. It's just, and, and you know what else is the annoying thing too? You know, just to kind of wrap it up with it is at some point we got to get out of the here comes superstar free agents. Their their teams that they're excited about is so and so and the Lakers. It's not a thing anymore. Let's stop that. Yeah. Can we stop that, please? You know, but we're also in click, this clickbait. But this is clickbait area. See, this way now where media goes, if they can get you to click on their article, no matter how ridiculous the deal is, that's yeah, where well, it goes. And that's that's why Rod, we read your articles and not theirs because you know <laughs> part of my friends, part of my friends. But I'm sick of all this bullshit coming around with the Lakers and, and things that are going to happen. It just it isn't it isn't the team that it used to be, and and that's why I like talking to you because. I can I can have a heart to heart with you and let people listen to a heart to heart conversation and just make things happen and it's just like we need to stop and we need to realize what this team is man it it sucks and it's gonna be a rough you know rough couple of years I, I I I firmly believe that and as we said you know when you have a team who hasn't taken a first round pick in in ten years you know you gotta figure your stuff out you really gotta figure it out absolutely oh. Ron, plug everything, my guy, that you got, man, because I love talking to you, and I'm glad we had you on. And and as as I said to begin with, we got to give you this one more time. Take that for data. The stamp of <laughs> approval, <laughs> as always. Ron, plug everything you got, my dude. Uh, I'm known. I'm seen, I'm seen on Twitter at, at Sport World Order, S P O R T World Order. I'm on LakeShowLife.com. Again, I appreciate you guys reading my stuff, especially uh, mentioning the Pulp Fiction one, because that did take some time to do. And I'm on <laughs> Slam on, Yeah, them things are hard to do. And SlamOnline.com, I'm part of the Slam Magazine newsroom crew. Now, now real quick, I, this, this is way crazy. 
and I don't remember if I've, if I've mentioned this before, Sports World Order, does that have any take on the New World Order? I've always been a fan. Let's go. Let's go. That's what I figured. Too sweet. Ready? Anybody who, who plays NHL online, you know you got your ass kicked by the NWO. I'm Hulk Hogan on, online, and, and we smack you up. We too sweet you on the way out. Appreciate it, Ron. Man, I, I love having you on. Um, we're we're going to get some – we're going to get NBA heavy coming up soon. And I'd love to have you back on if you're free, man. I will uh, send you some messages and uh, hope to chat again soon, all right? Anytime, man, anytime. I'm always be around. Appreciate it, sir. Thanks again. Man, Hagberg, uh, I'm sorry, man. I got I got hot. I got irritated. It just it, – yeah. the damn team frustrates me. You knew where I was going. I had to bring yeah. up pro wrestling to, to make it a little bit easier on myself. <laughs> we got yeah, – uh, no, Yeah, 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 there's no problem with that. Like I was saying, like – I obviously know you're just as angry as, as Ron is about the Lakers. And, and for God. me, I was, I was more than happy to sit quiet because anything I would have asked would have been, you know, the equivalent of a journalist <laughs> asking a stupid press conference after a bad loss. Oh, Coach Ron today. Yeah, it, it's terrible. So, you know what? Some, sometimes in life, it is better to be silent. Now, a couple of times, you just let them go off about the Lakers, and that's exactly what happened. And that's how the show should be about the Lakers right now. Uh, it's frustrating. Three games under 500. I'm not even confident they beat Portland tonight. Um, as we move into our last guest uh, of the evening here, um, I see Bradley chilling here. We'll, we're going to grab one second. Um, once again, tomorrow night, we will be coming back with part two of the WrestleCast Radio Awards 2021 uh, award show where we're going to give our male and female wrestler of the year, tag team of the year, show of the year, and match of the year. We ran out of, We went three hours last night and ran out of time. I'm sorry. Um, I spent too much time bashing KG Muto uh, being a part of Pro Wrestling Noah and also The Fiend and Alexa Bliss because it's trash. Uh, so as out of spectrum as that was. Uh, but we, we wanted to make sure the big five categories get the time they deserve. Uh, also tomorrow we're going to be reviewing the uh, Rev Pro High Stakes 2022 show with the amazing Will Osprey michael Oku match. Also talking Dragon Gate's Cork and Hall show from the 4th with the Kai versus Takashi Yoshida match. Uh, so we got some big stuff on WrestleCast. Also Friday, uh, twitch.tv forward slash WrestleCast Radio, uh, Pro Wrestling Summit. We will be having week six of the S1 Grand Prix, so you can find us on Twitch. You can find us here tomorrow live uh, with the WrestleCast Radio uh, Part 2 Awards. Uh, a lot of crazy stuff. And if you haven't, go back to the archives. We interviewed Ho Ho Loon uh, from Tokyo uh, last weekend. It was a banger of an interview. A lot of great stuff going on, but we have to continue the NBA trade deadline discussion. Bradley, you're with us, sir. Yes, sir. You guys hear me? Yes, sir. Uh, sorry, sorry for the long-winded. Had to plug a couple things here. Uh, I yeah. greatly appreciate you, you jumping in here a little bit earlier with us. Our 6:45 backed out, or our 6:30 backed out. And I'm like, damn. I know after the Lakers, I'm going to be hot. I'm going to need to take a breather. And, and I'm going to need Nick to kind of kind of help me take over here a little bit with that. But, so you, uh, you want to you want to talk about the Knicks and their current situation as a breather? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're just we're just going to come in with a hot fire about more more things that are not what they should be. Um, but before yeah. we jump into it, man, pl- go ahead and introduce yourself to all of our listeners. Plug what you got, man. I'd love for for everyone. We we're, we're big fan sided fans, and that's where we use a lot of our guests from. So go ahead and plug what you got, my dude. Yeah, I noticed that. Um, 
first and foremost, uh, before I plug anything, I, I, I caught the last few minutes of uh, your, I guess, your conversation with Ron. And um, did he have nice things to say about David Fisdale? As if you'd rather <laughs> him <laughs> than Frank Vogel? Hey, look, look, as we always say, man. Take that for data. Take that for data. <laughs> oh man! Oh man! I love it. You know. I love it. It's you know it, it, we're based out of Minnesota, and you know as, as as I've always said, I grew up. We didn't have the Timberwolves until I was you know like nine years old, eight years old, whatever. So I I naturally became a Laker fan because of the Minneapolis Lakers. The move, right? And it's just like it's. God bless America. It's so frustrating. I tell you what, being in Minnesota here, like I understand, you know, you know, we'll get into the Knicks thing, but like between the Vikings not understanding how to use their 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 quarterback, they signed to the point they have to fire their coach. To up until this year, the Minnesota Wild and the state of hockey being, you know, part of my friends are alive again, but dog shit in the state of hockey. Um, you know, we got we ain't got no Mark Messier and Brian Leach up here. I tell you that much. You know, we right. got Mike Richter in that. Um, <laughs> you know, it, right. it, it, up until this year being terrible, the, the Twins trading every star that we ever have and never being good, the Timberwolves up until hopefully this year being – I mean, it's rough. And then when, when my outsourced NBA team can't get the job done and I get a guy who wants to speak on it with me, man, I get hot and it pisses me off. I hear you, man. <laughs> but I, I mean, still – it's just, you know, the, how the times have changed, how, I mean, you know, David Fisdale is probably one of the worst things to ever happen to the Knicks organization, and that's saying a lot. <laughs> like, there's been a lot of crap that this organization has had to deal with over the, over the decades and decades, and David Fisdale is right near the top of the list as worst things to ever happen to us, and yet you're like, yeah, you know, Frank Bull will make it fired, and we might just put David Fisdale in there. Jeez, Louise. Um, <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, I am. The, you know, so I'm the, I'm the co-editor and uh, site expert for Daily Knicks fan sided uh, Daily Knicks FS. Uh, my personal Twitter is Brad Dressler 24. And uh, yeah, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. You know, it, it, it's one of those things where it feels like you guys kind of had the same come around that we had. We we bring in Tom Thibodeau to be our head coach, takes us to the playoffs comes back year two and is a big cancer to the point that, you know, as Nick, you call him Hitler. Uh, I'll just say it. I don't even care. Uh, yeah. Earlier. The tyrant. Um, That's what he is. Yeah, tyrant. I mean, I mean, I mean no disrespect. He's a, he's a tyrant, but I, I have my own opinions about Tom Thibodeau, <laughs> but, you know, it's, well, but that's based, you know, that's based on his um, tenure as the Timberwolves head coach. Um, all credit to him last year, coach the Knicks. Um, but, I do think there are some interesting things that have came up in the news about uh, regarding Tom Thibodeau in, in the last, you know, last you know, couple of weeks. You know, it, you know, Nick, you mentioned a lot of things earlier when we were in our pre-screening in the, you know, in the lobby before we went live. Why don't you kick us off, man? Because you had some good points that I think would be great to discuss with Bradley here. Nick, kick us off, man. I'm, I'm going to try yeah. to center my chief in that it. Lakers talk. Yeah. So. Well, <laughs> So a lot of this, this is only kind of based on, you know, the fact that we're Timberwolves fans. We followed the, you know, have followed the dysfunction of the Timberwolves organization for, you know, much of really the entire franchise's existence. Um, what I did, though, Mark Stein tweeted that 
former Timberwolves general manager Gerzon Rosas, um, reportedly hired as an as a consultant by right. the Knicks. Um, and immediately when I read that, you know, alarms started going off in my head. You know, I, I think about that, and then I think about the fact that Tom Thibodeau was against the the Cam Reddish deal to a point where he's not playing him any minutes. Do you think there's a chance that Tom Thibodeau could be on his way out in the near future and like, you know, either at the end of this season or potentially a mid firing next season? You know, um, up until uh, honest to God, up until last night, I was firmly of the belief that Tibbs has this year has next year. And then if things were to continue halfway through next year, then maybe his, his seat would become, a little bit warmer, uh, but, you know, basically a year from now, uh, you know, playing RJ Barrett and, and uh, amongst all the other starters in an unwinnable game after playing RJ something like 140 or 150 minutes over the previous three games, only for him to get hurt and, and, and bust up his ankle with 18 seconds left. RJ Barrett is our pride and joy. There's nothing that makes Knicks fans happier than R.J. Barrett. We love that boy. <laughs> and for you to let him put him in a position where he would get hurt, I'm, 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 I'm leaning more and more by the, by the second towards Tibbs get, you know, getting canned pretty soon, absolutely. It's D-Rose all over again, man. It's, ah, we'll, just, yep. we'll just run him into the ground, you know. This team's lost 10 of 12. You know, Bowens Highland scored 22 on it last night. There's definitely something going on. And, and, and as, as, as I know, I know people, people, big Knicks fans, I got, a, I got a buddy from Mount Vernon who loves, lives and dies by the Knicks. And right. last year, Julius Randle played out of his mind. The team went to the playoffs. You know, it, it looked like he was on the up and up. And now you guys are two and a half out from the play-in tournament, even sitting at I think I think the twelfth spot. Yeah. Is there is there any? I mean, are you guys doing any moves here before tomorrow? Like, is there any thought of what can we do to try to spark something, or are we just going to go ah, let's ride it out and see what happens? Maybe maybe Paulo Ban Bancaro is our future instead of making the play-in tournament type deal. Right. You know, point. I'm really curious what that Rosas hiring is all about because there's got to be a reason. Like, nothing happens just because. And I'm curious what his being brought in the day before the trade deadline, how does that affect the Knicks going into 3 p.m. tomorrow, you know? Um, will there be a deal? Who knows, you know? Uh, I think you alluded to it before. Free agency sucks next year. Uh, there's not a whole lot left on the <laughs> table right now. This is like the, the, the cornerstone of the of free agency next year. Marvin well, I mean, Bates you could argue we should have had one of those brothers instead of stupid Kevin Knox, but uh, <laughs> I, won't, I won't bring that into the conversation. <laughs> you know, w- whether a deal happens or not, I mean, I, I, the, the problem here, I, I think that the, the front office and, and Tibbs are, are obviously not in alignment. And I think it's pretty clear, especially – I mean, I understand, you know, having Cam Reddish earn his, earn his stripes and, and, you know, work his way into the rotation, but to not give him any playing time, uh, barely any uh, at all, is a, is a clear sign that there's, there's, some, uh, there's, some, there, there's some rocky waves going on behind the scenes. So 
I think the Knicks have kind of painted themselves into a corner where they kind of have to make a deal to consolidate, you know, two of their guys and turn it into one so that you can potentially clear up a spot for Cam Reddish and kind of force Tibbs' hand. Um, you know, there's speculation about a Harrison Barnes deal, which I don't think that makes sense. But then I think uh, Chris Mannix of uh, Sports Illustrated mentioned something about uh, potentially the Raptors and the Kings making a trade where they would send maybe a, a second-round pick or two alongside Goran Dragic to the Kings for Harrison Barnes. But then obviously the Kings have no need for a point guard, but they are looking for win-now players. So I brought up the idea, why don't the Knicks get involved? Go grab, uh, you know, Drogic, uh, send them uh, a second-round pick, Alec Burks, Kemba, Kemba Walker. Uh, this would not only give you a, the, the best point guard on the team, as, as crappy as that sounds, but then also frees up a spot in the rotation for a guy that you just spent a first-round pick on. Uh, that, that's something that's possible. Unless these guys are keeping – and I'll, 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 I'll end it on this. Unless these guys are keeping who they're targeting for tomorrow under complete wraps, I don't know what the hell's going on. You know, too, I, one, one thing I, you know, I, I was looking at is, uh, obviously before the C.J. McCollum deal, I had heard that there was small talks. I don't know how big they got, but uh, Evan Fournier potentially already getting shopped as an offer um, for, for things. Um, Nothing not obviously happened with, with McCollum going to, to the Pelicans. But I've also heard, too, and this is, this is coming from a few hours ago, um, Sacramento, you know, lo and behold, have interest in Julius Randle. Is there, is there any steam behind this that, that Randle or Fournier could get moved before tomorrow? It's a possibility. Sacramento's not going to go after Julius now that they traded for Sabonis. There's, there's no way. Right? Yeah. Uh, that may, and that makes sense. And apparently, uh, apparently New Orleans was pretty heavily interested in Evan Fournier, but they were looking at him as like a negative asset. So they instead viewed C.J. McCollum as a better player, which, you know, arguably he is a much better player. Um, they, they were willing to give up a lot more than even the Knicks were. The Knicks were in on C.J. McCollum. That's, that's without, a shadow of, without a shadow of a doubt. They were in on him. But, um, you know, apparently, like I said, New Orleans was interested in Evan Fournier, but they wanted draft capital in order to take his contract on. And at this point, I just don't see the Knicks doing that. That would be, that would be silly, especially because for the last five or six weeks, Evan Fournier has been great. So to take his small sample size at the beginning of the season and weigh that against him for the entire, for, for the entire year would be silly. But, um, yeah, Sacramento, uh, not, obviously not making the move now, now that they've traded for Sabonis, but <sighs> – who would even want Evan Fournier at this point? I, I have a strong feeling that there's going to be a trade going down, but it's going to happen with one or two of the three between Burks, Noel, and Kemba Walker. Yeah, and I was just going to jump in, too. Um, I, I, I read some of your content that you put out, and you wrote an article about DeJounte Murray from the San Antonio Spurs. Um, so if you can, just maybe – I mean, I don't I, – again, it's it's – for what I for what I read, it's more hypothetical that you wrote about, but it, it, it but you brought up very good points. Um, I guess outside of I mean, I mean you can elaborate more on Dejounte Murray, but do you see any other player that could kind of fill a similar role? Um, you know, such as giving up your draft picks or other assets to get. 
The easiest, the easiest answer to your question, no. <laughs> Unfortunately <laughs> not. There's really, there's really not a whole lot available on the market right now. Maybe Derek White, uh, but I don't know really what that problem solves. I just think that Dejounte Murray is on the is on the is on like an upward trajectory right now, right? Right. Yep. If they were to go and overpay for him today, but then he turns into something even better in the near future, the trade would look like a surefire win. But I'm saying, in order to get a guy that's making sixteen million dollars next year, seventeen million dollars the year after that, he's twenty five years old. Um, just missed the all-star team. He's a, he's a, a walking, talking triple double and they have no reason to get rid of him. You need to blow that team out of the water in order to pry that person away. Um, okay. that kind okay. of trade would, you know, piss off a lot of fans that are like, you know, keep your picks, keep your picks because as, as Knicks fans, we're so used to not having picks for such long periods of time that we hold on to these draft picks <laughs> as if they're gold. But at the end of the day, we have so many, especially in the second round over the next several years, that we can make things happen. This front office has proven three times <laughs> just, just this past year. They can turn three second-round picks into some pretty quality players. And I think they can still continue to find talent uh, deep in the second round uh, moving forward. I think they should use – some of their, their draft capital in the first round to try and go get that superstar to really, or at least at the very least a star to try to, you know, dig this, dig, dig themselves, dig this team out of the grave that they've built themselves. Right. Well, it, 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 and although you might say you're in the grave, I think, I mean, like I was, I was talking with Ryan before we, you know, we, we transitioned over to you from, from Ron, our last guest. I was having time thinking about questions asked, Ron, because the Lakers situation is so bad. Like, at least you have the draft picks and you have the right. assets and you have the, you know, <laughs> the, the pieces where you can actually, and I know Ryan hates to say it, but at least, I mean, even if some of these trade ideas are hypotheticals or, you know, just stuff that we're making up, like, in theory, at least, at least it's possible. I mean, with the right. Lakers, it's kind of like, you know, you look at the roster and it's like they don't have any capital. <laughs> At least we, we have, have capital. We, 2017 was our last first round pick, and we're not getting another one until 2027. I mean, right. that's the <laughs> So, if how, people how want to talk about first on. round picks being valuable, I mean, they, they might be. Like, it, it sucks. <laughs> yeah, but then Sorry. you can look at the Los Angeles Rams. I mean, their, their front office is like, screw picks. <laughs> we're going to trade every pick we've got <laughs> right. to try to right. get every phenomenal player that there is. And, right. you know, it's going to lead us yeah. to a Super Bowl. So you can argue both sides. Yeah, no, sure. I mean, LeBron has a very real possibility of uh, no longer being on the Lakers past next year. Uh, so that, that's a big issue. And then it, kind of hey, like what me, you guys were alluding to. Uh, What's Russell, that? Westbrook is, Russell Westbrook is no Jalen Ramsey. Let's be honest. Like, there's a night and day difference. <laughs> I know, I know, and, and – Everything you said makes sense. Like I, I'm not, I'm not downplaying that by any means. But like, it's apples to oranges when you look at a guy who's been beat up for 13 years or whatever he's played in the NBA to the best quarterback in the NFL. Like, it's not like they traded a first round pick for you know they got Dame Lillard. You know, <laughs> like it's just like I, I wish we had the front office that the Rams had. You know, 
and, and the coach no, is Sean sure. McVay. Like, God bless America. But yeah, I mean, everything you're yeah, like, you're everything you're saying, it, it makes sense. I mean, I, I guess I'm more just angrily venting, if that makes sense. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, like, go ah. go figure. Um, they they already had a pretty bad spacing issue last year, and then you go ahead and bring in Russell Westbrook, who literally can't shoot. I watched him against the, the Knicks the other day, and that that one shot where he like shot it off to the left by about six feet. <laughs> I was yeah. like, "What's wrong with this guy? Like, well, how did he make it into the NBA? It's it's wild." We brought in, you know, Ron was just with us as we mentioned. He's like, you know, they'll beat Portland tonight. And I had to cut him off. I was like, I'm sorry, sir, but I'm not confident we're beating Portland. Like, we're only five no. games better than them. It's not like we're that great of a team, you know. And, and the worst part is we – it's not like we can go, all right, you know, we're going to tank. You know, we suck. We got our pick. We'll get Chet Holmgren who can come center of this team. No, that, that shit's not happening. It's just not happening. You know, it's, 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 I'm sorry. You're, you're in a league where the NBA has become, in my opinion, where, yes, you can get a young first-round pick, but it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to see immediate success. You know, you're not going right. to have Joe Burrow who's going to come in year two and and take you to a Super Bowl. You know, this isn't. You know, I, I'm I'm not. You know, taking it way out the spectrum. I'm not the Montreal Canadiens who are extremely ecstatic that Shane Wright's going to fall to my lap from Kingston because we're the worst <laughs> team in the league. You know, I'm, right. I'm not the Sabers getting Maddie Beneers from from Michigan. You know, it's just it's or Owen Power. Excuse me. It, it's such a different league where you need to use these these first round picks as as almost more assets than even the player, and we have nothing to show for it. And as Nick brought up, at least you guys are able to discuss it. There's talks. There's there's discussions that can be made. Like look at what we have to offer you. And and right. damn it, maybe it's a jealousy I have. <laughs> maybe I'm just jealous. No, for for sure, for sure. You know. I think DeJounte Murray is an absolute pipe dream, but I also believe that the Knicks should go out and go get aggressive and try to find somebody that could be pried away uh, just to help try to turn the tides. And we're not even – I don't even think the fan base is expecting title or bust, but at the very least we want to we wanna capitalize on last year's success and try to get, a, get ourselves back into the playoff picture at the very least. I mean – we didn't – no one in the fan base expected a, a fourth seed or better. You know, we, we expected regression. We expected sixth, seventh, maybe even eighth seed. Some of us thought fifth seed, fourth seed potentially. But we didn't expect this. And everything about this season just hurts. And you're 100% correct. I mean, the Knicks are in a much better position than they've been for a very, very long time. I'm not really too concerned about the future at all, right? Um with Leon Rose at the helm and, you know, him kind of running the show, I, I have nothing but faith in, in his ability to turn this thing around. It's just for the interim, for the time being, it, it's looking pretty bleak. And, uh, you know, I, I wish I had more to come on here and say, but after, you know, De'Aaron Fox is completely off the table, uh, CJ McCollum, I had to convince myself into wanting, and he's off the table. Um, you know, there's just not a lot out there really. Uh, of course, we can have a conversation about a Russell Westbrook trade because every every talking head and their mother keeps talking about the Knicks should trade for Russell, <laughs> Russell Westbrook just so that we have a point guard. I, it, listen, we, I, I don't want to have to clean up your mess, <laughs> unfortunately. Yeah, I, don't blame you. I don't blame you. Like, I don't blame you one bit. Do you um, you know, kind of kind of before we wrap up, I gotta I gotta ask you like, what do you kind of see, you know, going forward? 
with this team the rest of this year, next year? Like, what what's kind of your your assumption of where they go before this year's over? At this point, um, I, I already spent uh, about 20, 30 minutes last night on Tankathon trying to get myself the first <laughs> overall pick. <laughs> you know? who, 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 who do you want? Who, who do you want in the draft? You want Ben, ben Carroll? You want Chet Holmgren? I mean, who are you looking uh, you know, at? So I'll, I'll be, I'll, I'll keep it, I'll keep it a hundred with you guys. Um, from the, from the very end of the off season up until the trade deadline, I'm like laser focused on uh, trade, you know, possibilities and so on and so forth. And then right around, you know, it would be this Friday, I'm going to start, you know, switching my focus over to the college game. I don't watch a ton of college and I know like the popular names of course, but I haven't yeah. really had a chance to like do my due diligence on anybody. I know Holmgren is fun, but I mean, that kid is 35 pounds soaking wet wearing commando boots. So I'm not really too <laughs> yeah. sure how about that seven kid. seven feet tall and under 200 pounds? It's like, there's, That's so, wild. <laughs> there's a, there's a, there's a kid who played for the Minnesota Golden Gopher hockey who got drafted by the Buffalo Sabres. I don't know how big, I don't know if you're a hockey guy or not. Um, not, not at all. <laughs> got drafted by the Sabres. His name was Casey Middlestead. It was like the fifth okay. pick in the draft. But the kid couldn't even do a pull-up. Like at the combine, he couldn't do one pull-up. I'm like, how are you a, a professional athlete? A professional athlete. <laughs> in right. a top five potential draft spot. And you can't do a pull-up. <laughs> like, I'm almost 40 years old. I'm out of shape and past my prime. I could do a damn pull-up. Like, <laughs> come right. on, man. <laughs> nah, I hear you. Um, I know I know the kid from Duke is good. I know Holmgren is good. I like the kid Jaden Ivey. I've heard a lot about yeah. him. That he is, uh, He's uh, John Morant-esque. And yeah, I nice, think, they sell two guards. Yep. I think uh, – well, I thought he was a point guard, no? Um, I, 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 he's, he's six, four. I mean, a lot of people play him as a, as a, as a one. He, he's considered, and I'm doing that with quotations. Yeah. Considered a two, but I, I think you're right. Cause um, I keep, I keep hearing, you know, uh, like John Morant as like a comparison. Um, I mean, either way, listen, that kid, that kid's electrifying. I mean, he would be a perfect fit for the garden. I think if, if the Knicks swing and miss, and don't get a point guard at at tomorrow's deadline. They should try to consolidate whatever assets they have and try to get up into the top five, six, seven, depending on where they land, of course. But they should try their best to try to get as high into the draft and try to get that point guard of the future. That's that's the next step. Um, as far as this season goes, who knows? <laughs> at this point, <laughs> you know, there's teams. There, there's no – out of the top ten teams, there's just nobody that's going to fall out. There's just nobody – the, the Celtics are looking better. The Hawks are looking better. The Hornets are still pretty good. Um, Washington is at, at 11 right now, and, and, you know, they're probably going to take a little bit of a tumble, but how much, right? Uh, they actually look better sometimes without Beal, so they might actually surprise people and get themselves up into the top 10 and <laughs> knock somebody out. So uh, the Knicks, uh, it's, it's, it's a done deal. Um, well, I, I honestly wouldn't be surprised if the front office evaluates the whole situation and maybe, you know, look, I'll put it to you this way. Prior to Tom Thibodeau's hiring, I was a big fan of Kenny Atkinson, and mm-hmm. I think that they may consider him again. I think that they may consider him 
and, and you know, uh, retooling a little bit. Not necessarily a rebuild, but a retool and getting rid of some of these veterans and replacing them with some of the younger guys and trying to build from a younger perspective as opposed to bringing in a bunch of 30-year-olds. Um, it'll, it'll be interesting to see how this goes here. Uh, appreciate everything you brought to the table, man. It was great having you on here. Uh, we're, we are now going into the aftercast portion. We're going uh, – anybody who's listening live has just gotten kicked the hell off, and I apologize. Uh, but, you know, <laughs> I, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, uh, Podbean, I don't, wh- whatever you, 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 you pod your cast, you guys know how to, how to find the, the, the remainder of the show because we never go the allotted two hours that they give us. It, it, never, it never happens. Um, right. I, I love it, Bradley. Man. Uh, plug everything you got once again for all of our listeners, man. It was it was a pleasure chatting with you about the Knicks, and uh, I, I'm excited to, to talk in the future about this team with you and, and where they're going. Yeah, sure. I'd be happy to come on again. No problem. Uh, yeah, like I said, just daily Knicks FS. Um, you know, we're we're primarily an article outlet, similar to every everyone else on fan sided, and then my personal is uh, Brad Dressler 24. If you want to follow me there. Sometimes I'll uh, tweet some funny shit. <laughs> <laughs> we like it, man. Thanks for coming out, man. And uh, once again, we'll talk soon, I'm sure. Appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Thanks. Thanks again. Yeah, thanks. And, ladies and gentlemen, as we enter the aftercast, we ain't done yet, baby. Ben Beacon, my dude, what's going on, man? How are we doing? Doing good. How are you doing? Oh, I'm excited, man. We, we get to go to the aftercast. We go into overtime. But damn it, as as Minnesotans, we made sure that Minnesota still gets some love. As we were going to talk some Tim rules, <laughs> I'm ecstatic for it. Um, real quick before we jump into the the wild organization that it is, uh, go ahead and yeah. introduce yourself for all of our new listeners. Sir, we'd love love for them to be able to 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 read everything you got and uh, interact if needed too, as well, man. Sure, absolutely, yeah. Uh, ben Beacon, I'm, I'm the, the site expert or site editor at Dunking with Wolves, which is a fan-sided blog. Um, I'm also the uh, the host of the Lockdown Wolves podcast on the Lockdown Podcast Network. So um, you can check out both those, the site and the podcast on Twitter, and then also my Twitter is at bbeacon. Um, and, uh, yeah, so writing about the Timberwolves every day, blogging about the uh, – yeah, well, yeah, blogging slash writing every day and also podcasting every day about the Wolves. <laughs> so I, I got to ask you real quick. Me, me and Nick are going to go back and forth on the questions here. Um, you know, we're, we're slowly approaching the end of the trade deadline time. The Timberwolves are, are surprisingly, you know, to, you know, we're over four games over 500, you know, Anthony mm-hmm. Edwards seems like the real deal as the guy who could lead this team and let, let Towns, as I said, kind of be the, the second, which maybe, maybe it's the best term. We can talk about that later. Um, do you see any moves that this team might be doing here within the next 24 hours? 20 hours, whatever it is? Yeah, I mean, I, I hate to be a wet blanket off the top. I I really – I don't think the Wolves are going to do anything. And, and I could be wrong, obviously. I'm just guessing. Um, but I, I just think and, – and there's a little danger here in some recency bias because they're playing so well here lately. But, I mean, with five wins in a row and, and whatever it is, six out, or seven of the last nine or whatever whatever the number is now, they're one of the best teams in the league since the first of the year – it's really hard to, to justify shaking this team up unless you're landing, you know, a top flight type guy. Um, and, and the Wolves, I've talked about this a lot on, on Lockdown Wolves, they have a really interesting mix of, of contracts where, like, obviously you're not trading Towns or Edwards, like you said. Um, D'Angelo Russell 
why would you trade him unless you're taking back Ben Simmons? Um, you know, something like that. They're the guys on the other end of the roster, the you know, the smaller contracts, the Jalen Noels, Nas Reed, those are that's too much value, right? I mean, even though they're fringe rotation guys, um, why trade them? Because their contracts are so small. And then you got a bunch of guys in the middle that are pretty decent value too, like Jared Vanderbilt. I mean, there's no chance he's going anywhere. Um, the only guys that I could see them potentially moving, Josh Okogie would, would – if I had to pick one guy, I think it's Josh Okogie. Maybe they get a pick or two for him, a couple second-round picks, maybe something like that, lottery-protected first, maybe if you're lucky. Um, and, uh, you know, Malik Beasley's obviously been the most rumored name to be moved, um, but he's playing so well lately. Unless the Wolves say, hey, this is our chance, you know, he's, he's playing well, we can sell high. I, I mean, if this is how he's going to play, which is – I mean, let's be honest, it, this is in line with what he did the last couple seasons with the Wolves. It's not like it's crazy that he's playing this well all of a sudden. It's just he didn't do it the first two months of the season. So why would you trade him um, if this is what you think he is anyway? And that's exactly what the Wolves bench needs. So, I mean, I think it's far more likely than not that they don't make a trade. Um, or if they do, it's going to be something more minor like a Josh Okogie or something like that. Yeah, I was just going to jump in. Um, the, the one name that you didn't mention that I've uh, kind of – heard being floated around as Patrick Beverly. Now, mm-hmm. I, 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 I kind of have a, I mean, there's two sides of it. I'm curious how, what your thoughts are. You know, there's one side of it that says, okay, look, Patrick Beverly, his numbers are near, or I, I don't have his numbers right in front of me, but they're near at a career low in terms of his mm-hmm. production. Yep. But, then, but then there's the other side that since he's came in, you know, you can kind of see a different fire under this team. You know, like, you know, like you kind of bring Pat Beverly in to light a fire under everyone's ass, uh, in a in a sense. Um, so I guess what I'm asking you is, unless would you almost, I mean, unless you're getting a substantial talent in return, would you almost, would you, with kind of like the culture and things in mind, would you be hesitant to trade Patrick Beverly for the reasons that I uh, stated? Absolutely, yeah. I, I would be I would be pretty shocked uh, if they traded Patrick Beverly. And if you'd asked me that in in October or November, even I would have said, yeah. I mean, if the Wolves are 500 or below at the deadline, which of course they're not, um, but then yeah, he would make sense to trade because he's a veteran, he's a valuable player, he's still an all all NBA defensive player. He's been an all defensive player three times, and he's got a reasonable expiring contract. He he should be able to shoot threes better than he's done so far this year. I mean, he's 40% over the last four seasons before coming to the Wolves. Um, So, yeah, he's got value on the trade market, but he's super valuable to the Wolves too. And as you mentioned, from a culture standpoint, from a a fan favorite standpoint, from what he is in the locker room to how he's a leader on the court, and also the role that he fills, the ability to both play off the ball with D'Angelo Russell and also run the second unit as well, um, it just doesn't make sense to trade him. Again, the, the obvious caveat being unless something crazy comes together last minute for Ben Simmons or maybe a, like a Miles Turner who's injured, so I doubt he gets traded. But something like that where it's a bigger name, a certainly starting caliber player who would be on the team for multiple seasons past this one, um, I, I just don't – I think he's worth more to the Wolves currently on the roster than he would be in a trade because they're trying to win now. Now, if the record was flipped and instead of 29 and 25, if they were you know, 25 and 29 – I think this is a different story, which seems kind of silly because that's only like a seven, eight game difference. But, um, you know, I think because they're solidly in the seventh spot, they're a game out of the sixth spot, it makes more sense to have him on the team than it does to trade him for, for whatever they could get for him. You know, is that kind of the consensus too? You know, four games behind Utah for that, that top spot in the Northwest, which is 
insane to think about, you know, obviously losing to Golden State and Phoenix, you know, people can say what they want, but, you know, it's the top teams in the league. It is what it is. Mm-hmm. Five straight wins since then. We got Sacramento tonight. Is it almost more important to just stay pat and not even make a move? Yeah, and that's why I think that's I think it's a combination of they've got some tricky contracts on the roster, um, you know, on both ends of the spectrum that are tougher to move in the first place. But then your pieces that are tradable, like a Beverly or a Torian Prince, who you know six weeks ago, even four weeks ago, I would have said, yeah, you you take what you can get for him and his expiring contract because he was having a miserable start to the year. But now he's come on too, and he's another guy that was shooting career worst from three. Now he's right in line. He's he's shooting something crazy, like seventy percent over the last five games from three, and. <laughs> And this is where he should be, and not that, but, like, he's right around 40% now from three. Um, so, like, yeah, I, I don't know why you rock the boat at this point uh, when the team is playing as good as they are. And and it's not like, again, it's not like this is some completely out of left field hot streak. The team's finally healthy. And, again, these guys are finally playing up to their career averages. I mean, Beverly's shooting the ball much better lately. He's healthy finally. Uh, Torian Prince is shooting the ball better lately. D'Angelo Russell's played better when he's after getting back from a couple different injuries. Um, it, it just it just doesn't make sense to me to, to rock the boat unless you're making a huge splash that that is you know unquestionably going to make the team better. And I just don't see that trade out there. Like there was all this conversation to bring up another name and, and apologies if I'm stealing a, a question, but Marcus Smart is a name that's been thrown around. Um, yeah, Marcus Smart makes sense on the Wolves if Patrick Beverly's not on the Wolves. And why mm-hmm. would you ship out Patrick Beverly to give up more assets to bring in Marcus Smart, who is, I think, a little, will be a little bit overpaid in the next year or two of his contract extension? You know, maybe Marcus Smart, if you can't extend Patrick Beverly, if he walks in the offseason, then maybe you try you trade a pick or two for Marcus Smart. But you don't give up assets to potentially overpay a guy to replace somebody who's already effective in Patrick Beverly. So I just don't see a trade that's out there that that clearly makes the Timberwolves better um, as of as of this week. Yeah, that, I was like, that's actually funny. You brought Marcus Smart because I because uh, I I read your your article and I think you had a topic topic of um, conversation on your podcast about why the mm-hmm. Timberwolves should not trade for Marcus Smart and, and that and that and he's a name obviously that you look on social media you don't know, have fans photoshopping Marcus Smart in the Timberwolves. And and all the the typical um, you know fans being bullish on a guy just you know just for the sake of making a trade. Um, but another sure. name that but another name that I read um, that I'm curious to hear your thoughts on are um, Thaddeus Young, who mm-hmm. played for the Timberwolves just a few years ago. Yeah, um, and, and real quick to, to close it close it out on Marcus Smart, I, I want to be clear, I really like him, and he's a really good player and would make the Timberwolves better, but I don't know that he would make right. them that much better than Patrick Beverly, and if you're also giving up assets to get him, it doesn't make a ton of sense to me. And that's why I say if they could acquire him in the future, great. I think he would be a great fit mm-hmm. with the Wolves. I just don't know that the, the opportunity cost here makes sense. As for Thaddeus Young, uh, you know, if Torian Prince, if this were three, four weeks ago, I would have been like, yeah, give up Torian Prince. I think the rumored trade, I forget who it was uh, that reported it a few days ago, but it was like, um, I believe it was Torian Prince and a second rounder for Thaddeus Young. I mean, three, four weeks ago, uh, Jake Fisher of Bleacher Report is who had that. Um, I would have said, yes, do that in a heartbeat. But now we hear all this stuff about how Prince is kind of a quiet leader in the locker room and the guys really like him and he's he's flexible in terms of who he, positions he can guard. 
um, and he is a better three-point shooter than Thaddeus Young, especially now that he's shooting in line with his career averages. So I, I don't know that Thaddeus Young is a clear upgrade. Um, there are some other – he's a better passer. You know, there's a few things he does better. But at this stage in Thaddeus Young's career, I believe they're both expiring contracts. I don't know that it makes sense to give up an asset to make what is basically a lateral move. And, again, kind of rock the boat in terms of the guys that are in that locker room that apparently really like each other and, and they've got this groove going and Prince is playing so well. Um, so I like Thaddeus Young. And in a vacuum, you could argue that he's the better player. Um, I think you can certainly argue that. But I just don't know that it's worth the – you know, it's a small risk for a relatively small reward in my mind. And, and at that point, I think you just stand pat. Yeah, and I, and I like the point you brought up too is the fact that, like – I mean, like, this is the first time in a long time where it seems like there's drama or, and everybody likes each other in the Timberwolves locker room. Like, I mean, and you even, and I, and you hear, you know, Finch talk about it all the time that these guys like the, these guys really like the, you know, like each other as teammates. They like the chemistry in the team. And, you know, it's just, it's such a refreshing thing to see for, be the first time in a long time where you, you know this is a Timberwolves team that's really easy to fall in love with and, and like what we see on the mm-hmm. court. So, um, and, and I totally agree with you as a fan. Like I, um, I think it's always, you know, just, I mean, just for the sake of, you know, coming up with hypothetical trades, you know, it's often fun to do. But I think in this circumstance, I'm a hundred percent on board with, uh, with what you're thinking is just, you know, stand pat and don't don't make any moves that could jeopardize the rest of the season. Yeah, exactly. You know, this this is a team that I feel like, as we said, four games over 500, they're on the right path. Everything seems to be falling into place. Can they, can you legitimately think Ben, that, that this team could make a run? If you know, obviously they're in the the, the play-in tournament right now, um, not too far out of it to be fair. But you know, mm-hmm. if, if they could kind of get that that, and I'll say this as a Minnesotan, that proverbial hot streak the Minnesota Wild are on, and you know Jared Vanderbilt continues to improve, Nas Reed continues to improve, our big three continue to do what they're doing. Do you think this team could legitimately make a run? Or am I kind of just like way left field and we're two, three years away from that? I mean, I don't think it's crazy. It it depends on, you know, I think there's a ceiling on, on what that run is. Um, but that said, there's a lot of similarities between this team. And, and I want to be clear, I'm not at all suggesting they're going to go to the conference finals. But look at what the Atlanta Hawks did last year. Look what the Phoenix Suns did last year. Both of those teams were teams that finished the previous year strong and people said oh look out for them next year but then didn't really take them seriously the Hawks fired their coach midseason obviously the Suns brought in Chris Paul but those are teams that were largely led by their young core you know Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton in terms of the Suns with mm-hmm. Bridges. you look at the Hawks and, and everybody knows you know all, you know John Collins and Trey Young and everybody over there um, and they shocked everybody they both went to the conference finals the Suns went to the finals um, I'm not saying that that's necessarily what's going to happen to the Wolves, but it's a similar model. I mean, the roster isn't that different. I mean, if you talk to somebody that wasn't a Wolves fan, I'm sure that they just assume that the Wolves made a bunch of changes, but you compare the roster now to 12 months ago, and there's like two different names on the on the regular active 12-13 man <laughs> roster. It's Dorian Prince and Patrick Beverly. That's it. Everybody else that plays was on this team a year ago. Um, they just had a lot of injuries. They had a lot of guys that got better. 
So to your point, that's going to continue to be the case. They're going to continue to improve, and, and knock on wood, they remain healthy. I mean, they're only two and a half games out of the five spot. They're a game out of the six spot, which obviously is important because you avoid the playing tournament. And then you're only two and a half games out of the five spot, and we're you got a third of schedule, a third of the schedule to go. And the Wolves actually have one of the easier schedules in the league um, yeah, down the stretch of the season. Just beat by twenty. You know that's that's beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, it'd be great if they could just if they could only play the Pistons and Kings the rest of the year, which is what we've we've had the last week. Um, and, and so obviously there's quite a few difficult ones mixed in there, but I mean they still got you know. Portland a couple of times. They've got Houston at least one time. They've got, you know, some of these – they've got Oklahoma City, I think, three more times – or no, two more times still. Um, so the schedule's not crazy the rest of the season. They've got a few more back-to-backs, but they've already had a lot of the really tough Eastern Conference games. They've already had um, – they've already had, like – I think they're basically done with the Warriors. Uh, I'm pretty sure they're completely done with the Warriors. You know, some of those teams. Um, so – I, you know, I, I think – I said going into the season on the podcast, my prediction was that the Wolves' ceiling was a five seed in the West. I thought most likely they were going to be like the seven seed. I think I said seven or eight is where I landed, but their ceiling was a five seed. I think I stand by that. Um, I just think the top of the West is still really good. I, I mean, the Jazz are obviously in a bit of a tough spot, but Donovan Mitchell's back. Um, wow. You're probably not going to pass Memphis, Golden State, or Phoenix. So I guess sitting here right now, you could argue the ceiling is the four spot. I think the most realistic place for them is probably around around six, um, you know, somewhere between five and seven. But they're better than the three teams behind them. They're better than both LA teams, and they're better than the Pelicans, and obviously everyone below that. So I think they shouldn't be any lower than seven. I mean, it would be really disappointing if they were. You know, and, and you look at the play, and, and it's it's one of those weird things where – a part of a part of me is I don't want to play either LA team in a play-in. You know, when when you when you bring it down to a small, you know, the small type series thing, you know, the, the play-in game like that. I just I'm scared of Kawhi and LeBron. I'm scared of George and AD. The Pelicans maybe not so much because Zion can't stay healthy. But I just I would love this team to just get out of the play-in spot. Send Denver down there, send Dallas down there, one of the two, and let's get into an actual, you know, real series and see what happens with this team. Because I'm excited, sure. man. It's, yeah. it's fun. Like, it, it's so nice seeing this team actually contend. You know, I I had season tickets for a few years, a couple of years before we got Jimmy Butler, and it was hard, man. <laughs> it was, it was yeah. rough. It, just, it was what it was. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, this, this, yeah, I was just going to say that, I mean, this team is, is, um, it is a lot of fun to watch. It's, I, I mean, they play a more fun brand of basketball. You know, the Jimmy Butler team was, I think would have been remember, remembered a lot more fondly if it wasn't for the way Jimmy Butler left only a few months after yeah. that. But that team was fun to watch because they were gritty and because he could just take games over on both ends of the floor, which is phenomenal to watch. Um, and also, as you mentioned, I mean, it allowed Towns to kind of, at times, take a back seat to Jimmy Butler. That was the last time he was as, playing as efficiently and as good defensively as he is now. Um, and, and to be clear, Towns is still the Wolves' best player, and, and he, especially lately, Edwards has struggled the last few games, and Towns has been the Wolves' best player consistently. But he has the ability to take a back seat if teams are double-teaming him and they have another guy that can take over. Uh, but this seems a little more fun to watch because they're up and down, they shoot a lot of threes, and they also turn other teams over, which leads to a lot of fast break points. And even if the defense isn't playing well, like against the Kings, just last night on Tuesday, 
they gave up like 115 points or whatever it was, which isn't great against a bad offense. But they also they also created a lot of turnovers. That led to fast breaks, which are fun. <laughs> it also leads to a lot of points. Um, so this is just a fun team to watch, and they obviously like each other. And and uh, and yeah, I mean it's just it's a it's a nice change of pace from what we've had for most of the last almost two decades now. Am I, am I crazy, you know, not, not, to, not to keep going here, but, but am I crazy when, when I've always said, you know, this is something we talked about at the beginning of the show, we kind of slightly talked Wolves in, in case we didn't have you tonight. Um, I'm a guy who, who believes that Kevin Garnett is the greatest number two of all time, like over Pippen. And I've always put Duncan and Dirk ahead of him. And I know a lot of people think I'm crazy when I say that, that he wasn't a number one, but it's just, to me, I always thought he was he was he needed that extra little push, and it proved when he went. And not to debate that, but but going towards this this current team, to me, Towns feels like a guy who is extremely satisfied, comfortable, and happy being a number two. With you know, you could look at Anthony Edwards as the one. You know, some people may say D'Angelo Russell, but I feel like Edwards is is our main mobile piece that's getting us there. Am I crazy to think that having Towns be considered as our number two is the best thing for this team and that's why we're succeeding? Or am I backwards and he's the guy who's the number one and everybody else is the two and the three? Is that long? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, mean, I think – I get what you're saying, and I I do think that – you know, like I said a minute ago, I, th- I think that the the fact that they now have more talent that can take over games. I mean, there have been games where Towns was pretty pedestrian offensively. There was a game not that long ago the Wolves won, and I think he shot the ball literally. I think he had six field goal attempts for the game. Uh, it was just maybe a week or two ago. Um, but that's because Edwards was able to take over the high-volume role, and D'Angelo Russell can do that. And on some nights, Malik Beasley can do that. Um, and I think it's – they don't have to only run through Towns. Um, and, mm-hmm. and Garnett – could take over games, but he also was more than comfortable deferring at the end of games. And whereas like, so the year they went to the conference finals, obviously Sam Cassell was the big shot maker and, and he was the guy that they leaned on for that. Um, and now D'Angelo Russell's more than happy to do that. Anthony Edwards is more than happy to do that. So I think you're still running the offense through cat, but like Andrew Wiggins was never that guy. Um, Jimmy Butler was, and that was part of the reason why the Wolves were so successful that year. But then again, mm-hmm. good players are just generally good in the clutch too, and, and I think that's a big part of it. So, you know, still running the offense through town, still giving him touches as much as you can in, in clutch situations, but he doesn't have to force it because D'Angelo Russell can get his jumper off anytime he wants, and Anthony Edwards can get to the rim or shoot a step back three on anybody whenever he wants. And it just gives you that perfect, you know, three guys playing three different positions that can all score from all three levels. And, um, and I mean, it's hard to argue against that formula in, in terms of offense. And, and also yeah. the fact that Towns, he's, he's never going to be on the same level as Garnett defensively, but he's improved defensively. And that allows him to kind of be the leader of that unit as well. That's fair. And, and, and I like that. Like I said, I, you know, I, I don't want to be the, the guy who is the, you know, bad egg in the room, you know, trying to downplay things. Cause that's, that's by no means what I want to do. I just, you know, I, I, I call it as I see it. And it's just, it's nice that we have got it. You know, having said it, it's, it's nice that we have a team right now. that's four years over 500. What the hell am I saying? Like, this is yeah. great. Like, we're not used to this. Like, Oh my God, the Timberwolves are playing well. Like, let's go. Like, 
I hope it continues. I mean, I hope this team gets, you know, we should be a 51 team. I would hope at this point, and I hope it doesn't, I hope it doesn't drop whatsoever. Um, before, before we let you go, I do have, do have one question for you. And I was saving this the entire show because I wanted Minnesota to represent, but before you leave, Ben, would you be so kind as to play a game of Uber facts with us? I'm sorry, a game of what? Uh, a game of Uber facts. Uh, and, and I'll play it for you like this. Uber facts. Okay. The most unimportant things you'll never need to know. Basically, I'm going to give you and Nick, because I, I, we got to have multiple people play. I will give you four facts, and you have to tell me what is the incorrect fact that I just completely made up. Would, would you be so kind as to play with us tonight? Uh, yeah, I'll, uh, I'll give it a go. Let's, let's, well, let's try cool. it. I would play some Uber facts. Nick, you know how Uber facts goes, right? Yep, I do. All right. So, as I said, I have four facts. One of these are completely fake. You have to tell me what is the incorrect fact. Um, I will read you the four facts. Ben will have you go first. Nick will have you go second. With that being said, let's get into it. Fact number one. Fox refused to pick up South Park because they did not want to air a show that had a talking poo character. Talking poop guy, you know, Mr. Hanky or whatever his name was. Uh, number two, after Walmart opened stores in Germany, it had to scrap its policy regarding employees to smile at customers because German shoppers thought it was strange. Number three, not getting enough sleep makes you more likely to lie, cheat, and steal, a la Eddie Guerrero. And number four, Mickey Mouse's love for Minnie Mouse falls into place with Walt Disney's love for an ex-girlfriend from high school. So as I ask these questions, Ben, what do you believe is the fake fact that I'm giving you guys? Uh, I'm going to go with the, uh, the, the Walt Disney one, the last one. All right. And Nick, what do you believe is the fake fact? Um, I'm going to go with the first one only because it's Fox and it's not like NBC or ABC or CBS. So I'm going to go with the first <laughs> one, the one about South Park. So you guys are both smart to stay away from the Walmart smiling in Germany because apparently Germans are just angry. So it is what it is. That is a true actual fact. Um, also, not getting enough sleep will cause you to lie, cheat, and steal like Eddie Guerrero, Latino Heat himself. So you were smart to stay away from that, which means we have two left. One of you is correct. Ben Deacon, you are correct. Mickey Mouse's love for Minnie Mouse falls into place. Walt Disney's love for an ex-girlfriend in high school. I completely made that up. That is not true by any means. <laughs> you are the winner. <laughs> All right. I'm over Let's fast. go. Ben gets the win. Uh, with that being man. said, man, I, I thank you so much for coming on. You know, you, you sent me a message at the end of it going, hey, man, I'm still available to talk right now. We're in the aftercast. People, the only people who are listening right now are the people that are going to be able to to podcast it after we end it. Um, so I'm glad you were able to stay with us and we were able to go into overtime. Plug everything you got, my dude, for for all of our listeners. They know where to to read your stuff, to interact. Excuse me, interact the whole nine yards. Yeah, for sure. Uh, appreciate you guys having me on. Um, I, I really do appreciate it. Uh, Dunking with Wolves, the fan sided blog uh, for the Timberwolves, dunkingwithwolves.com, and on Twitter at DunkingWolvesFS. And then I'm also the host of Lockdown Wolves, 
to the Wolves podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network, and uh, that's uh, at Locked On T Wolves is the Twitter account. And uh, you can follow me at, at B Beacon, and that's with two B's, two E's, C K E N. Um, and, uh, you know, post game podcasts after every game and uh, recaps on Ducky with Wolves. And obviously this week, all the trade stuff. I'm sure there will be some rumors at the very <laughs> least tomorrow that we'll be covering. So, yeah. Ben, I, I'm so glad we were able to chat, man. I'm, I'm, thank you, thank you for uh, you know being flexible. I know you, you know, I know you're busy and you have things going on, and uh, we, we, we definitely wanted to get that Wolves chat in, even though, you know, everyone else got 15 minutes, you got a little over 30, as it deserves. Damn it, to Tim Wolves. <laughs> so, I appreciate uh, that. I appreciate. Thanks that. for coming on, man. And uh, I'm sure we'll talk soon. You know, as the playoffs come around, the drafts, we're going to be doing some more NBA chat so uh, you know i'm gonna reach out man thanks again ben i appreciate you absolutely yeah appreciate it guys thank you yeah, thank you ben beacon guys Duncan with wolves coming on nick hell of a show my dude two and a half hours we're in overtime if you're listening live you're really not listening because it cut your ass off <laughs> it's only podcast at this point i thought that went really well man i had a lot of fun yeah, yeah that was a good lineup of guests we have on like really i mean I, I think every single one was really knowledgeable um yeah re- a lot good of good run. yeah yeah really good run of of people who decided to come on so shout out to all of them and our appreciation for that oh man you know nick uh nhl draft is coming up in a couple months we're gonna have to get chris ransom on i feel like oh, he should join sorry. us <laughs> i see, see i don't fall hockey at all but you know i would be more than i'd be more than happy to to uh, to come along for the ride. <laughs> in uh, for for everybody else, we appreciate y'all listening, man. Myself, Nick Hagberg, coming in, dropping that knowledge. We had a lot of fun. Uh, in the words of Canelo Alvarez, for everybody here, we will see y'all tomorrow night. Wrestlecast Radio, the award show part two. That being said, Canelo, read us out, my dude. Get the fuck out of here. Get the fuck out of here. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. DW Group, no purchase necessary. Avoid where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.